Let's go! What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Bingetown TV. I'm your host, Paul, and with me I have Luke and Dave. And today we're back with some more Cursed. We're talking episodes four, five, and six. Uh, what was your guys' reaction after watching these three compared to the first three? I thought these episodes were much better than the first three. I wasn't on the first podcast uh, review of those episodes, and I'm a little bit happy because it, it would have been a lot of negativity from my side. But these three episodes definitely did a little bit of a better job in making me more engaged. I don't know necessarily how much more I love a lot of the characters, but the world itself is definitely I'm more engaged in it. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with Luke on that one. First three episodes, maybe I I like them, I think, the most out of uh, those who have watched in our group so far. Um, but I think that the the best episodes in order have just been like one through six, you know, like one being the worst episode, two being the next best, three, four, five, six, so... It's only been going uphill, and I'm very excited to see what it comes to what comes to the next episodes. Yeah, we stopped on two really good cliffhangers with episode three. The last time we left off, Merlin was being sunk into a you know quicksand pitfall because he was trying to talk to the Leopard King, um, Leopard, not Leopard. Yeah, Leopard. <laughs> um, and we got a really good cliffhanger on episode six, but we'll get to there eventually. Uh, just by the way, we are going to be doing this review by the storyline of each character. So it's not going to be chronological like we are watching the episode. We're going to be following one character per episode. So we're just going to go through all of Merlin episode four. And we see him being um, you know, dragged into the floor. And then we see the Leper King. I think they actually, they do refer to them as afflicted. I think that's what they're called is afflicted. I'm, I'm not sure if that's like a big deal, but they are known as afflicted. Right. I honestly didn't catch even them say the leper king. I heard them say the, the, the king himself I think Jimmy refers was just, to everybody else. I think we just called afflicted. them lepers because Jimmy was like saying that like in that's the books. Okay. Yeah. And that's what they were called. Because he specifically calls them afflicted, the king. Yeah, okay. So I just wrote down in my notes, the afflicted yeah, king. Afflicted. And then eventually you find out his name is Rugen. Um, or Ru- yeah, Rugen. Rugen, yeah. That Rugen. makes sense, afflicted, because they were making like zombie. They were almost zombies. They were zombies. Yeah. not really lepers. Yeah. So I thought it was interesting at the first like dialogue, but you get between Merlin and this this afflicted King Rugen is they refer to each other as my dear friend. So you know, all, off the bat, that they have a lot of history with there each other. There is some history there, and I yeah. liked his uh, I liked his design. I'm gonna have to say too, real quick. Like I like like he had the yeah. ruby eye. Like he was decked out in all the bling. He had the he has the gold crown and everything. So I liked his look, and uh, I think they they tell you too pretty early in the conversation that he's a shadow lord. So he's definitely mm-hmm. a powerful being. You know, like he he's, well, I'm sure he's capable of magic. Like that has to be a thing. Yeah, they talk about you know he, what he says when he first sees Merlin is oh my god like did they mistreat you like i'm sorry like like there's no way to treat an old friend Mm -hmm. and then like you said they talked about how merlin says at one point like us shadow lords so we know rugen was or still is a shadow lord and i think he gets he's pretty that's when his tone starts to switch i think like he's it's kind of like reminding him that he's like angry with merlin because I think he see like he thinks Merlin as like a traitor, like because he starts saying like, you know, like your king like promised all of us like all this shit, like you were supposed to get us out of all this like crap, and like your king hasn't done anything, you know. Yeah, you're jumping ahead a little bit because what happens is Merlin and and Rugen basically start catching up about the state of things, and 
um, they end up starting to talk about Father Cardin and all the burnings that are going on right, in the okay. kingdom. And um, you find out quickly that Rugen hates Father Cardin, um, and he refers to him as the priest from the South. Uh, he also really expresses to Merlin that he doesn't like Pendragon either. Um, because he basically hasn't done anything to stop all these burnings that are going on throughout the country. So as of now, we know that the afflicted king is against pretty much everything that, um, you know, all the, all the main factions that are yeah, going he just on. Want, the war it sounds like he just wants to be on his own, just left alone. He like anybody. Yeah, 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 he's just like, yeah, Pendragon's angry at, Red Paladin's angry at. They, they talked about how they were old friends, but there's still obviously something there. It's almost like they don't trust each other. What Rugen does first thing after he sees him is he pours him a glass of wine and, you know, Merlin accepts it, but he doesn't drink it. And as the conversation goes on, Rugen brings it up and says, um, Merlin says to him, like, oh, you're a man of culture. But Rugen says, yet your lips are still dry. So it's almost <laughs> like Rugen is testing Merlin because he doesn't trust him. He's paying attention to everything he's doing. And Merlin doesn't trust Rugen enough to even drink the wine that he poured. Right. Exactly. So when he finally does drink the wine, Rugen is like, oh, okay, maybe I can trust him. And yeah, then take they, a chance. that's when it was a leap of faith. There's also some really, really dope dialogue that gives you some, uh, I guess, like background for Merlin is uh, he, you know, he's, he's basically saying that I want to get the sort of power for you. And Rugen basically yeah he's gassing him up yeah, he's like yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna get you on the fucking throne you know like we're gonna do this together I thought like, he was gonna react better than he does because then he's like yeah well okay you're only doing that because like we all already think you lost your magic yeah and then that's when you know he starts he to threaten well. Merlin a yeah. little bit but then Merlin comes back with one of the coolest quotes of the entire episode when he says there's a reason why five centuries of kings have sought the counsel of Merlin the magician. Ooh, and sweet. that's so badass. Just because that alone it's, tells you that he, Merlin, powerful. has been alive powerful. for 500 years worth of at kings. Least. At least. Yeah. We were talking last episode because we knew he was, he, Merlin was an old guy, but we were saying, like, oh, like, I wonder how old he was. Yeah. When these are 500, I was not probably expecting even, that. Yeah, I was going to say, he might even be, like, like at least 700s because, like, you know, like, that's him being an adult and a counselor to mm -hmm. kings. Like, that's not even, like, his young days, you know? Exactly. You don't know. We have no idea. That just, I want to, I just pencil that part in as his prime. Like, he had yeah. a prime of those 500 years. But the reason I brought that up was because King Rugen ends up turning the conversation around to saying, uh, that basically Merlin ended up betraying all of those kings. And right. so that kind of feeds into the whole idea of like this mistrust between them, even though they ha they both clearly have been alive for so long and they're powerful magicians or at one point were. So they like, they know of each other, you know, like there's just a crazy dynamic. That's just, you're just, kind of implied through and, these conversations and what brings it together i think is that like merlin is just like look like you're a shadow lord like we were sworn to protect this sword like there's a war coming like this is our duty to fucking get this sword so it makes him like he's saying like i want to prevent the war mm -hmm. and i want to give it to you like it just it all sounds like reasonable you know it's like he he's trying to do the right things in rugen's eyes so you know he's, he is playing him obviously but I, you know. I definitely walked away from this scene thinking like i love this character i think i think rugen's just like an interesting character and he he puts another brick in the house of of merlin carrying the show for oh, me yeah. you know like definitely. it's just the most interesting plot of the entire story and and it's cool how we we're, we're going to get to the next scene. We are we good here because I think the next scene is right into the treasure hall. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so so Merlin to win over Rugen pulls out this ring of gold, and Rugen says, "Is that the torque?" 
Right. Um, we don't necessarily know what that is it's yet. It's like a kind of crown thing. Yeah, like yeah. Jewelry piece. Exactly. Um, and it has, you know, like green rubies on the end of it. So we know, um, like, it's really expensive and it's some ancient artifact. Which is the exact transition into the next scene, which is called the, I think they refer to it as the relinquary. Basically, it's a treasured hall. Um, and this scene was pretty cool because you just got to see, like, like the wonderment in Merlin's eyes of looking around the room while he's been alive. This place for all was legendary. It's a, le- it's a legendary yeah, based thing. Based on yeah. how he reacted, it was a legend. Like, it was, yeah, it was some sorcerer's like treasure, like, sorceresses. Um, I think there was a name for it. Laboratory. The, yeah, they yeah, called yeah, it the, the reliquary. 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 Yeah, 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 what yeah. Luke said. But again, before they get to the main conversation pieces of the scene, though, we do get one of the really dope Easter eggs where. Uh, Rugen just casually mentions like a fake looking like Grail, and he says like, "Yeah, the queen or the witch that gave this to me, um, you know, thought this was like the Holy Grail." But me and you both know different. And I was like, "That's so dope." Yeah, I might have missed that because I was probably typing up some notes for the episode. Oh, but so that cool. was yeah, that's actually really cool. I, like I, de- I, I remember seeing them talk about something. But I the, the exact that. thing that Rugen says to Merlin is, "Of course, you and I know different." Basically implying <laughs> yeah. that it's going to be a future Arthurian you know legend which yeah. is sweet because everybody knows like the quest yeah. for the holy grail and that actually um, arthur never finds the holy grail <laughs> <laughs> well that's a that's a thing for another time <laughs> um yeah so merlin he's looking around here and he's he says like i've always dreamt of seeing like this place in these walls um and after rugen shows him the grail they kind of walk past this green fire to which the Rugen, peace day resistance the the whole reason why merlin is here in the first place which we already knew from the, the conversation with the yeah, widow the yes, widow yeah. that we knew that it was here so we knew he was going to try to you know obtain this fae fire and that's why he asked for the ceramic jar that can't be burnt by fae fire from the widow mm-hmm. um so he i'm not even sure who first brings it up um, but Rugen explains it's the Fae Fire, the one that casts I think Merlin's just like, oh, is that like yeah. Fae Fire or something? And Merlin's like, oh, like that's and that cool. even kind of like, yeah, that even like get, catches you know Rugen's eyes, like ah, oh, like I thought he played interested pretty, in that. Like, yeah, 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 he he did. Rugen did catch on. I feel like he caught on a little bit. Merlin was trying to play cool, like oh, like that's cool, like something so simple, you know, making yeah, so something they, so dangerous. Yeah, they pass the Fae Fire, they have that little exchange, and so Merlin knows exactly now where his target is, and um. And so the next thing yeah, well, we, we see, it's not even really that important. At least I don't think it is. Are you talking about the torque? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So the skeleton of, I forget uh, uh, her Boudica, name. Boudica. Boudica is kind of just hanging right behind the fire, right above the fire a little bit. And I don't know if, like, we know anything. We're, but, like, I just don't know if Boudica was, like, something, like, if that was, like, an Easter egg of some sort. I'm sure it was, but. Yeah, I was saying, I, I don't think it really matters. I'm thinking it's not going to be relevant when they put it But, on I mean, it head. was, like, it, there were some shots of it, you know, like, when, like, Merlin and them yeah, were, like, walking away, like, the Boudica, like, the, the camera pans the Boudica, and it's just, like, sitting there menacingly. So, it could. Yeah, it I, I mean, I wrote in my notes, I was like, is this going to be relevant? Probably not, Probably right? not. Yeah, I don't yeah, think so. But but it <laughs> could be. It definitely could be if they wanted to. And I thought to, it was interesting that, you know, Rugen also used the words, you are complete to you know when he put the crown on they're like that was just a weird way to put it like just giving life it was just like a whatever yeah okay so then then that's pretty much the end of that scene and we yeah they sell they're celebrating their newfound friendship you know they're both slugging some wine and merlin from what we appear is absolutely hammered absolutely Mm -hmm. trash you know we're talking 12 shots deep you know white girl (laughs) wasted fucking hammered and yeah he's telling a story and he's getting heated 
and ends up spilling his wine all over Rugen. And Rugen's like, yo, to hell with your gods. Like, yeah, what the fuck's wrong with you? Yeah, go clean him up. Like, get him out of here. Um, and we'll deal, we'll see if I still have use for him in the morning. Right. So as Merlin spills his wine and falls into Rugen, it ends up sh- being that he stole Rugen's keys. So he's acting like a drunk idiot. The keys to the hall where the Fae fire. But yeah, it was all a ploy. Merlin's, you know, he's, he's, I think we underestimate, well, I underestimate him. I, like, I'm always like, this guy's a drunk, but like, he really does know what he's doing, you know, like he stays calm in these situations. Well, they I'm, talk I'm to- going to express my, I have a little bit of, I felt like things were a little too easy at the, what we're about to get to, like the, the whole escape plan from the underground. Yeah, we might as well just get to that right yeah, now. Yeah, because that just, is the last thing. After mm-hmm. he's in his cave. Um, steals the key. Fucking he has the key. Opens that treasure hall he was taking his goddamn time in there if you notice that like he's yeah. like yeah, he was like around, slowly putting the torch yeah. down i was like merlin come on bro they're coming for you man yeah it takes a little literally just a scoop of fey fire just like yeah. put it in his bottle caps it up and then let luke uh, let out his uh, emotions on this scene <laughs> as that's happening um rugen is he does notice that the keys are missing and yeah, he looks yeah. at his assistant with the skull on his face and says merlin He's after the Fey Fire. Like, go kill him. So he knew right away he was going for the Fey Fire. And then, yeah, it goes back to Merlin, who scoops it. And then I agree 100%. It was too easy for him just, like, running out. He was just beating the mob of these horde of, like, you know, lepers or whatever we're going to call them. And, I mean, it was – and then he's running outside. He's looking for the widow's horse that he was promised – um, and then it was cool. We did get to see him use the staff and actually fight a little bit. Yeah, yeah he's got some hand-to-hand which combat. totally needed to be a thing because yeah. he kind of felt useless otherwise. 100% agree. While he was running through the tunnels of, you know, this lair, there was Afflicted kind of just sitting, like, on benches or, like, on perches watching him run by. And then after he runs by – and sees the other afflicted running, like, they jump in, too. It was, yeah. like, the whole wolf situation they like, with the they, first We could thing. be underestimating the intelligence of them, too. Like, you know, it could just be, like, a village. Like, maybe they were just literal bystanders who just, like, did not want to do it. I'm just might be over. I just might yeah, be giving it credit. Advocate, I might just be giving yeah. it cr- too much credit, but, yeah, like, whatever. <laughs> but, I, I mean, I agree. He, he Yeah, it was, I will they made admit, a, They made it such a big point of, like, the uh, Rugen's right-hand man, like, being crawling on the ceiling. The Widow also did say, like, this, like, Merlin admitted in, like, the previous episode, he's like, this is a, like, like, this is basically, you're asking me to kill myself. Like, this is, like, an impossible task to do. And, like, you know, he escapes pretty easily. Yeah, it so. didn't seem like he struggled too much. Um, well, that's pretty much the end of Merlin's journey for this episode. Yeah, that's yeah, he scooped journey. the uh, Fae Fire, which he said he was going to go, and, you know, he's back on the Widow's horse. Yeah, and then... So, the next... Are we ready to jump into the next character? Yeah, we're gonna We're going to go right into Morgana, and then uh, by, you know, Association Iris. Yeah. Um, this is actually the scene that starts off the episode, and we're just kind of seeing the aftermath of Morgana helping Nimue escape from the Abbey before the fathers... Uh, before Father Carden and the Red Paladins could burn her. So, you know, she's just, like, putting a physical harm to herself to sell the story, and then she goes back. Goes back. And that she gets questioned by Father Carden directly. Himself, yeah, right yeah. there. He has some yeah. good lines, too. I love when he makes those uh, analogies. Like, when he was talking to the kid in, like, episode one, he was talking about pulling the weeds. Mm. And then when he's talking to her here, he's talking about, like, the uh, 
you know, a, a roof is good, but like if there's one hole in it, like the water seeps in and then, you know, the, the whole so thing symbolic. is symbolic. Yeah, he's symbolic. I love it. I love when he does it, but yeah, he's just questioning her. And, and Iris is standing right next to him, loving every second on it. She, she's just like preach father Carden preach. She is just, I hate her. Cause one of the things Carden is saying to Morgana is basically, he's basically trying to recruit her as like a, Association, like associative. Take, she's gonna take ally Abin, of the Red Paladins. Yeah, and she yeah, would yeah, probably yeah. take Abbas Nora's place. Exactly. Yeah. And one of the funny things I noticed was like basically when it was like he was saying like we need you as a soldier, and the conversation kind of ends. It fades right into uh, Iris. Mm-hmm. Like she's like the next the face that it goes into. And and she's pissed because she's not getting any recognition for being this devoted. Sure, but I also I took that as symbolic like, that she is going to take up the 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 role of the soldier for the yeah, red paladins soldier yeah yeah, yeah so do we see abbas getting dragged into like the dragged out like of the abbey we know she's pretty much done to which father Cardin says you know you will take over yeah. and like you guys were saying iris is pissed she's standing there and like, um, i want to be a red paladin yeah yeah <laughs> and they're walking away and she says that Father and they're like, doesn't, like he literally, get out of here yeah he's literally just like piss off that's it like what a beast like i just want to keep emphasizing my love for father Cardin as a, as yeah, a villain. I, I, I hate iris i mean of course she just sucks and then like right after like a couple scenes later like iris basically you know confronts morgana starts like questioning her like where'd you get those scars huh like she didn't use her magic on you it's like just shut the fuck up like you're, Ooh, you're this is the conversation snitch. that Morgana actually renounces her her Christian faith too, which I thought was a dope moment for yep. her because yeah. like where I want her them to take this character Morgana, like this had to be done earlier than that. Completely now, but I'm, agree. I'm, Fine with and it was interesting too because i think they were flipping back and forth where uh she was giving up her uh devotion to the whatever religion they believe in it's where, Christianity. It's straight where up yeah where Christianity. where iris was literally like pr- like i think there were like there was pan back and forth like iris was literally praying to fucking mm-hmm. like the god and was just like yeah so getting the, angry that he wasn't calling back to her but like so she more, was trying to prove her faith exactly and that p- plays a huge part be- because of later in the episode but before that we need to know that what you guys were saying morgana aka igrain aka whole grain was in you know the sanctuary kneeling and praying she grips her necklace and when she grips it she throws oh, yeah. it into the fire and that was what Luke was saying, renouncing it. But that also played a big part because when Iris was in there, she was gripping it till she bled. Well, well, that was after. Well, that was yeah. yeah, that was after. But she, Iris, is freaking out like you guys were saying, like show me, give me a sign, give me a sign, give me a sign. Knocks over the fire, and that's when she sees, oh. she sees uh, whole grains Morgana's oh. uh, necklace, and is like, oh, okay, so she is evil. I'm too stupid to catch these things. I'm glad I'm here to talk these out with you guys. <laughs> I totally read that scene wrong. What? Because wasn't that was that already post the burning scene of of the the um the the head Abby? No, Abbas. Yeah, did she die at this point yet? I don't think we ever see a burning. We don't scene. see her body. We literally we just, just see, see her, her get thrown into like a cart cage. Right and as okay, all right. Morgana was coming back to the Abbey. But there is a there is one thing I wanted to bring up about this scene though is um. I don't know. You guys probably mentioned it a lot in the first couple episodes in the the first podcast episode, but we do get like a confirmation by words that Faye is just a direct synonym for fairy people, right? Like, so yeah. 
Okay. We we actually we talked about it in the first one that we didn't actually know what Faye was, yeah. or at least like I didn't know. I thought Faye, I thought like Pim wasn't Faye, but Nimue was Faye. Was Faye, and Faye was only like the sorcerers right. or druids. Yeah, so no, 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 no we get that that everyone. here because I think it's Iris calls them fairy people, and then Morgana corrects her saying they prefer to be called Faye. So that's like them mm. them saying like fairy fay like that that's the equivalent synonym. But yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, so we're cool with that. I wanted them to cl- that should have been clarified in episode one. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Sure. Yeah. I agree yeah. because five episodes like four hours at least of me being yeah. like I don't understand yeah. is a it, infuriating. All right, but the so, last well oh, the last thing right. is um uh sorry I'm blanking Morgana and Celia have like that sad farewell. It's basically like the last thing we see them so they you know they get their kiss in but like i don't know if we want to talk about like iris right now or should we save it till like, no no we're gonna save that okay we'll save that but yeah so celia and her have her sad farewell you know it's a touching moment um but you know morgana has got to spread those wings and fly baby she's got to get the she's got to leave the the nest <laughs> i just um because i didn't get to speak on this in the first episode i hope you guys talked a little bit about it but like if she doesn't have like the greatest heel turn to to and like road to evil i'm gonna be so unhappy with the show because <laughs> morgana yeah going like, evil is that that's like morgana's supposed to be an absolute villain in the arthur stories okay. so she's always been one of my favorite characters whenever it comes to any portrayal of arthurian legend okay. like that 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 random hbo star show that came out like 15 yeah, yeah. years ago it's called camelot about this mm-hmm. um like the morgana of that show was villain. eva green who was just like the best villain ever she's like amazing right, i love i would love to see That's that spiral saying. into like, the downfall she's not, okay she's supposed to be pure like she's supposed to be the main villain i mean we already have her lover like right now she's definitely in a dark spot no no I'm, there were some good steps and we're yeah. gonna i'm gonna point them out at every turn um, and then we get uh so that covers basically morgana and iris uh the next is like arthur who we get like a couple scenes of but we'll just break them down a little bit um first we just see iris as a prisoner of the red paladins she's just getting into interrogated he's got you said iris did i say iris arthur 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 is just getting uh, arthur is a prisoner of the red paladins getting his ass kicked um just getting interrogated like you know they're just asking where's like uh well the whole goal of them interrogating him is basically just to find out where he got the sword aka exactly where nimway i was gonna say where is the sword but they fucking have it but i thought it was interesting too that two red paladins stopped the paladins escorting them and they were just like give us the sword oh, like yeah, it kind of just it kind of shows that like everyone wants credit for this you know like yeah there's like in some internal uh like you know power yeah. strive and we'll get i'll touch a little bit more on that um in a couple episodes so but. another thing i like I, i'm not sure even how many times they said it throughout the first three episodes i know they did but it basically is now um nimue is just known among the entire region at this point as the wolf blood witch i know she kind of was a little bit of the episodes ago but now you can assume like the news is spread like the red paladins are just putting this message out there and that's exactly why they're trying to interrogate arthur because they have the sort of power with them now the only thing else they need is i don't know why why do they they need nimue because they just want to burn her because she's the fae yeah, yeah, she's, yeah that's, that's the, the whole symbol it's just a whole yeah. symbol thing yeah, like yeah they, they wanna... say no fae is good like kill all of them and that's the whole weeping monk's job is to find nimue right now and like the rest of her people um but yeah so arthur's getting punched in the face 
and like he's smiling laughing. I like, I like his i like that little conversation the bonnie thing yeah kind of, i like yeah, I that he's like, oh, you funny. remind me you remind me of my friend bonnie yeah and he's he like calling him bonnie he's like why are you telling me this he was, and he just keeps on telling the story but it's a distraction to break out yeah of the, the and it's like house. bonnie always kept uh, a lock pick somewhere hidden on him just in case and yeah. that's when he pops the locks and then starts whooping the crap out of him. And then just escapes. That was pretty cool. And I did not agree. I thought that was like a lame escape. Well, I thought how he said Bonnie, but I agree. No, it was a lame escape. I just like, I like the How does the he Bonnie run thing? out of there? Nobody hears it. First of all, why well, is they're that They're assuming escort? the other guy is kicking his ass. So they're just like, yeah, they're like, need keep him alive. it down. Like, we need him alive. Yeah. But what I'm saying is how does this escort that's carrying the devil's tooth and Arthur, who's like suspect number one, only has two red paladins in the front of the carriage as an escort and none in the back. Dude. So he was able to run out the back and like free. He didn't even sprint. He dude, was just like the, skipping the away. The scene felt like a middle school boy wrote it. Like I was just like, this is just so just vanilla, basic. I don't know. It was like, like this is a dumb way for him to escape. He just like, I agree. He I just like know. coincidentally has lockpick on him. And then, just well, I mean, he told, I thought it was kind of cool. I told the, the story, story was I cool. I like, I like, like I said, the just felt like a lazy way to get him out of that. Situation. But yeah, it was definitely way too easy. And then he wanders into a town and like, that's basically it until a little bit later. But now we'll talk about Nimue. I mean, hold on. I, I, yeah. Is it just me? Like, what are your guys' thoughts of Arthur so far to this point? Because I, I just cannot get behind his I really don't mind all. him. Like, I don't love him. Yeah. I'm not, like, going to say he's, like, my favorite or even, like, top. I don't even know who my favorite characters are, honestly, at this point. But he's definitely not cracking that top five. I don't like him at all. I just feel like he needs to be more likable, even though the story's not going to center around him. But he – it just doesn't feel right that I just don't like – Arthur. I think he is a cool personality, but he makes the dumbest decisions that yeah. don't make. He's any just very easily sense. written. He's just very. He's just an easy character. Like he was just. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. All right. Well, because I'm going to criticize a bunch of things he does later on. So let's, let's keep going. <laughs> All right. Um, so, so let's get to the meat of this episode, episode right? which being is Nimway. Nimways are correct. Mm-hmm. And last we saw her, she was getting sent off by uh, Morgana. Yeah. And now she's just kind of wandering the forest where she's picked up by a couple who are also escorting another two, two refugees, but their names are Clotilda. <laughs> like, what is it? Like Clotilda? <laughs> it's Clotilda. <laughs> it's Clotilda, which is just yeah. ridiculous. And then Dizier. Um, Unimportant names. Yeah, um, whatever. Yeah. And I mean, the two other refugees that they're escorting, that we find out are fae and we find out they're called snake people. So that's a little cool world building, but yeah. it was really cool. Cause one of the first questions, um, Nimue has is like, how do you know Morgana? And they're like, Oh, like she helped build the fae underground. She's a key figure in the resistance. She, you know, is yeah. one of the founders Let me of Nemo. about this like... part too, because <laughs> are you fucking kidding me? We're just going to drop the resistance. Like with no <laughs> setup at all. It was like, that just like, what are we doing here? Like, we're just throwing factions around new faction. There was nothing that set that up. Right. Like in my, I don't know. Like when their village gets saved, like when Nimue, like, I mean, maybe not saved, but like what helped Nimue escape the burning of our village where those archer people that was like based the resistance yeah that's true did they say i don't remember the that. Resist- that was episode that was literally one. episode like one when right like, before Nimoy's- she gets captured by cardin and then yeah. they cardin's like oh like evil comes in beautiful forms blah blah, blah and they're about to kill her then the a bunch of arrows come in oh yeah yeah yeah. now i don't know if I we still, ever saw whatever. that but i mean 
Yeah, I don't it know. Been, it could have been, you know, more seeds could have been planted in the first three well, episodes. Yeah, how how is Nimue a part of the Fae? And obviously, she her mother is like a high priestess of a village, and she's never heard of the Fae underground before. But later on, yeah. her mother teaches her these symbols that they I don't know. That's that's getting forward. Yeah. yeah. But this is this is the sloppiness that can't that hurts the show, you know, like these little things that we're picking apart just yeah. feels like they're not well written. And and I said it last episode, and I'll say it again just to be clear. I mean, we're not we we talk about entertaining TV. Like we always obviously don't like talk about the best shows of all time. We talk about entertaining shows, but there's a difference between entertaining and not paying attention to like what makes sense mm-hmm. and frustrating to watch. Cause this is like frustrating to watch. Yeah, yeah. Some of it gets to that point, but you know, like they definitely had a lot more wins than losses throughout these three episodes, which balanced it out. But you know, like if the, the so you want the, just, be- the good parts to outweigh the bad, you of don't course, but balance. I'm just saying, you know, like this is one of the parts I was like, okay, just throw the resistance in there. Sure. Whatever. Morgana's a huge part of that too. Like that, whatever. And yeah, yeah. so they're basically, uh, they're offering, so they introduced this uh, refu- like refugee camp. It's called Nemos. Um, that's just basically where their destination is. But uh, fucking Nimue is just like, I actually need to go to Grammaire, which is north and like basically Red Paladin Central, it sounds like. like or at least like surrounded by Red Paladins, like just everywhere. Um, yeah, Dizier is like, don't go there. That's basically like, uh, the, the road mission. there yeah she has to go north and she, he's just like the road from here to there is just literally crawling with red paladins so he's just but eventually they're just like okay we'll take you as far as we can and that's it and but, the reason that it's so dangerous i mean the reason she needs to go there and she can't really explain it to them is like she needs to get the sword of power which she knows from morgana that arthur is there right like that's yeah, how she knows, knows arthur yeah he knows yeah, she yeah. knows he's there um so she, nimue gets a little familiar with the snake people's daughter i did a little girl Avery or something like Avery. yeah Avery. um i mean not really important comes in a little bit later um and I then was laughing so hard when they were t- when the daughter was talking to the dad and the subtitles said like as naming the language you said like in snake yeah you know? <laughs> i was like okay their language is just snake language yeah, that's pretty cool i think the next scene we actually see of nimue is like this I actually really didn't like the camera work slash like transition work between like it was the you Nimue did van. I did. You did. It was like Nimue's van and then and the, the weeping, weeping monk. monk. Yeah. yeah. They're like Ryder. And I'm like, Nimue is just absolutely fucked right here. Like yeah. there is just absolutely nothing she can do to get away from this. Like yeah, that got I me. knew Dizier was gonna be fucking dead. Mm-hmm. Like I just assumed the weeping monk was gonna kill him. But it was in, it was cool, like how it was just like not them. It was just, and like, he doesn't different. know her on site yet but he'll know her by smell right which is what we found out Correct. from father card that's last what i was episode. thinking too like he was like switch seats with me and i was like that's not going to do anything because he's just going to smell her anyway in the car like yeah. what is switching seats going to no. do anyway well i mean point the switching the switching seats, seats was, was yeah. to get the, to yeah. get the compartment yeah. and blah, to hide the snake people um but as we were saying it was just camera work and it turns out that it was a different checkpoint and the weeping monk is actually stopping a different carriage um this person Let's Dizier and Nimue go and they continue on. But the weeping monk at the other van kills those people, obviously, and then discovers who Dizier is and about the and he finds out about the directions, like those signs to Nemos that Yeah, yeah he leave. just says the the 
the refuge place is somewhere north near the Minotaur, but he doesn't know exactly what it is. Mm. And that's a cool ass landmark name, by the yeah. way, or city, Minotaur, whatever. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Um, and also just really cool um, little details about the weeping monk that he is able to figure out all this stuff about the Fae. Like, how does he know the Fae symbols? Like he says, like they're leaving symbols like in the trees and around the bottom of the trees and he points them out. Um, and it's just interesting. How does he know all about that? Is he, is the weeping monk Faye? Faye. That he absolutely like, could be. I've had he thoughts absolutely about that. Could yeah. be too. And he's turned bad or something. That would like be that. crazy. Yeah. It would make more sense of why he has the ability to smell, smell them out them. too. Yeah. Like heightened senses and shit. Like, yeah. Because like, how could he have that ability if he, as they refer to him as man blood? That would right? be a nice mm-hmm. twist. I would like that a lot. Uh, yeah. I could see that happening. Definitely. So he tells father Carden all this and father Carden ends up, you know, saying, okay, like, let's uh, head there. And he starts cutting off roots and stuff there. Yeah. And so Nimue at this point has, like, you know, a deep talk with Clot Hilda, whatever her <laughs> name is, has a deep talk. Doesn't really talk about much, just about their past and stuff. And then she's dropped off at the border of Grimaire, uh, where she of course coincidentally runs into arthur at the town and is immediately pissed at him yeah that's really annoying before that though she does go up to the guards at the gate and is like oh um i'm here to see actor sir actor i know arthur his nephew and the guards are like like how do you know him like oh you know arthur where is he because right now they're looking for him um and she's like oh never mind the guard calls him back and that kind of seemed weird because it didn't lead to anything. That was probably why I completely skipped over it. And yeah. Didn't want to talk about it. <laughs> like, what is, the, I don't, I don't understand the point of that. Like, why would you make, why would you put that scene in there and I make it a big point? That. I didn't even have that. Well, I mean, the, the reason the scene had basically started transitioning to the next one was because she's like about to run away from those guards and quickly turns around, sees all these red paladins and is like, holy shit, I got to hide. And basically that's, I don't know. There was just like a transitional yeah. thing to see to, until Arthur saw her. Yeah. yeah which, Arthur sees her. And then that's she, what the second time, second or third time they just randomly meet up in yeah. a town again. Like Jimmy was saying, just runs into him. Yeah. Jimmy was saying last episode, like in the books, it, she gave reasons of why she was going to these towns. And in the show, they just like kind of once you assume them. it or something like that, they just kind of show her wandering. Dude, it stuff. feels like this is the smallest country, kingdom, whatever you want to call it, in the entire world. Like it things just, just travel. You go from here, like we're gonna talk about it soon. They're gonna go from here to Nemos in a hot minute in like one, you know, scene transition. But I figured that was gonna take days and days. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe I'm too thinking too literal. Yeah. So anyway, we have a lot of complaints. Sorry. There's a lot of good stuff. There's some stuff that just bothers us. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, it's all small. Arthur and Nimue, they meet each other in the village. Or they see each other in the village. Nimue pulls a knife saying, like, where's the sword? And that's when Arthur explains, you know, the Red Paladins took it. Um, I was so on Team Nimue, like, stab this pussy. This dude's <laughs> enemy. Why? Like, there's, they have nothing between each other. Like, he just stole her fucking sword and, you know, like, yeah, exactly. basically lost it. So, like... I was in the mindset where Nimue should be just, she should be not forgiving at all. And she was reacting correctly. She's holding the sword. She to needs him, like, him to lead him to the sword though. That's obviously. true. Yeah. yeah well, she's not going to kill him, but I'm just saying like she reacted. No, yeah, I liked she, how she reacted. No, it was perfect. Cause yeah. she, she definitely deserved all that anger that she unleashed on Arthur, but she basically is like, just lead me to where yeah. you last saw it. Yeah. 
And so, then this is where we get to. Yeah, they're on the trail and they're walking. Arthur keeps bitching at her, saying, like, oh, don't do this. Let's turn around. It's just a sword, blah, blah, blah. And then they stumble upon the carriage. It was Dizzy A's. Clot Hilda, no. Yeah, Clot Hilda is on her back. Well, <laughs> he didn't. She didn't just stumble upon it. She was the hidden pooler there, like the voice. Of, oh, like, yeah. She oh, ran away. Yeah, she was with Arthur. And she was basically saying, like, don't, like, get, a, like, I basically hate you, you know, because they, they stumble upon the, um. I thought that was the sword. That's how she gets pulled to the sword that way. Yeah, wait, what did you say? What are we? This is, I um, Dizier's was just carriage like leading where the carriage. she finds. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so she, after this, she yes, gets. Yes, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. But this was, you know, the snake father is Clot killed. Clot Hilda yeah. is dead on her back. No. <laughs> Dave's girl. My girl. And um, Dizier is tied to a tree with a cross cut in his chest. Yep. Um, so she's like a wreck. And obviously she's pissed. And she's saying like, where's the girl? Embry. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. After that is when she starts hearing the voices. Yes. This is where she gets pulled. Because she's and, like hurt. She's like really sad and upset because she knows that yeah, they her were emotion, killed specifically because they brought her there. Mm-hmm. And Merlin touches on this, but like her emotions do play a big part in her magical abilities. So like it makes sense that right now while she's grieving that the sword she, is talking to her. Yeah, hidden, that hidden. she would be able to hear the hidden okay. tell it her. Okay, I'll buy that. Yeah, I mean, she's <laughs> like, yeah, we, we'll talk about it in the next episode, but she definitely, her emotions definitely play a big part yeah. in her magical abilities. So the hidden starts calling to Nimue, pulling her towards the, the sword. And originally I was pissed. I was like, why is this sword unguarded? But it made sense because like they were all just created a bloodbath of murder and they were mm-hmm. all just taking a bath kind of. But yeah, I agree that it, like, I guess it makes sense because they were like taking a bath, but everything has been so easy. Yeah, like, but if she didn't Merlin, have the hidden voice calling, I'm, yeah, I'm usually going to agree with you, but I don't think that. I, I agree. I'm glad that fine. the hidden voice brought her to it. But, like, Merlin escaping out of the tunnel, um, Arthur running away from the carriage. Yeah. Like, uh, Nimue just basically stumbling. I know it's the voice that's giving it to her, but, like, uh, unguarded sword. Like, it's a little frustrating. Uh, but this, this one was a little better, but then I, I This see scene is pretty sweet. It's I will sweet say. when she's ki- fucking up all yeah. the red paladins she does some great yeah. sword work yeah there. so she finally finds a sword pulls it out and Although you know we-, we get the subtitles in the bottom mystical twinkling i always love that <laughs> um and then she hears the voices of the red paladins over in the lake she sees that their guard is down she's like okay she drops the cloak you can see she's got some bazookas <laughs> never actually see them love um, the bazookas yeah so Basically, she drops a cloak, and she's holding the sword, and she looks like she's ready for revenge for killing her friends that she just made. Yeah. And she she did a really good job of, you know, like, making the choreography of this fight look awesome. Like, I thought this was the best fight scene so far. Definitely. Um, you know, she was handling that sword like a swords master, and it was cool because, you know, like she wasn't perfect like she it wasn't just like an instant win she still kind of got her ass beat a little bit but mm-hmm. you know it was realistic and it makes sense that sword's super powerful it should make her that much stronger already but mm-hmm. not invincible so um this episode was called the red lake and this is obviously where it gets mm-hmm. its title like she pops up the first paladin's like looking in the water like what is that really cool you know entrance i think um a little sketchy about how she got under the water and come up whatever it was still cool her emerging out of the water holding the sword lady of the lake yeah yeah this is the first like uh glimpse we get of that um and i agree with what you were saying she wasn't fighting perfect like even when she was swinging the sword some of her swings looked like she was just kind of throwing it Mm -hmm. she didn't know what she was doing but that's the power of 
the sword of power. I mean, it can turn anybody. Yeah. Yeah. As long as you're wielding it and you swing it, like, you know, you're in a good spot. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, they have to fucking make it where she kills everyone but one person. And Arthur comes to save the day with a fucking knife. Little struggle. She hears her mother's voice, has some visions. Arthur saves her. I was just eye rolled. I was like, oh, yeah, Arthur's the hero. They reconnect. Yep. And then while they, while they're, while she's like, you know, they're arguing again, she's just like, get away from me, basically. They find Amvery. Luckily, she made it out of there. She's, you know, a little sweetheart. Good thing she made it. Uh, Ambry was hiding in the bushes. And, you know, soon after we find the Weeping Monk and Father Carden are very close behind, it looks like. She, yeah, like, some they're... time has passed where they're they're obviously cleared out of the area, but this is just like the aftermath of, of yeah. the Red Paladins. Even still, just in, the, in the show, it was like maybe one or two no, scenes. I, I yeah, agree. It was, it was really quick. But then we get the the pretty pretty villainous moment. We see Iris just walking Hold away. Hold on. Is this... I mean, even the conversation that's happening after the conversation between the monk, the monk, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like the one, the one thing I picked up from that conversation, I think this is like the most obvious they have been about it is because we get more of it in the next episode. But it, it's, it's. I originally thought Father Carden and the Weeping Monk were like almost equivalent, like evil. I mean, equals like at the top of the Red Paladins. But this makes it obvious that Father Carden is trying to just use the Weeping Monk. Like, the, he doesn't even consider him, like... He's just a weapon. He's, he's just, just a weapon, weapon. exactly. That's a perfect way to best, describe it. Best yeah. way to... And best fighter. I didn't get that vibe as much until right, like, this scene, mm-hmm. which was cool to see. But now, go ahead into the Iris. But yeah, then we get uh, Iris pulling the, uh, the Joker. She's fucking walking away from the Abbey, and everything's just burning in her sight. It's yeah. just... I thought that was... I did not... Ag- I did not expect that, to be honest. It that was just really like a, well with the, the voiceover that Father Carden was saying, yeah. too. She I was is, just about yeah. to say. He, she has lost her marbles, man. Well, well it's interesting to see what's going to happen because I don't know if this was alluding to it or just cool timing and camera work, but what Carden was saying was, and if you deem us unworthy, send us your purest soldier, like your, yeah. your avenging angel. And that's and when that's yeah, when it yeah, pans yeah. to her putting her hood up, walking away. She's gonna be and I was like, something she else. Could come away being the head of the Red Paladins. My hatred after Father Carden dies at the end she, of the series. She's one of my, my favorite characters. My, she's one of my hatred for her just only shows how good of a character she is. Yes, like exactly. this is like genuine hatred. Like this is just me thinking she is such a bitch. She's gonna lead the Red Paladins. But that day. would be great. I'm all series, in. I like her as a. I like her as a villain. She's young right now. She's learning and fucking school. We'll get into that. Yeah. Um, uh, but, but yeah, then it, it, and, before we get to the last okay. to the last scene with Arthur and all that, because it's Arthur and um, Nimue, let's just quickly cover the the, the two or three Pym scenes. I was going to say, yeah. you didn't talk about we're Pym. not ending with the Pym. Even <laughs> she's not important enough <laughs> to end with her. No, okay, I have yeah, okay. Um, and I'm going to come out and say this for the people who listened to Binge Town TV, cursed episode one. I ripped Pym apart. <laughs> like I, I couldn't stand her. And I just want to say now that I apologize. She had one of the best character turnarounds, in my opinion. I loved her in this episode. Mm-hmm. I picked on – I mean, I'm just going to defend myself here because I, I would have totally been Team Pim in the beginning because just from her quick interactions, the way her character delivers lines, she always seemed, like, bubbly fun, like – good she's she's good at the non-dialogue acting parts yeah. too that make her seem like a more likable character i i enjoy pim but 
um, doesn't mean she's important. I just, no, I just yeah. you know, <laughs> I enjoy her when she's on the screen. She will eventually be more important when she's, you know, with the main. Yeah, group. real quick, she gets find found by some, you know, grotesque guy, fisherman, fisherman guy, brings her back to the homes. Like we're gonna save this woman. And his mom's like, No, well, they made it seem like they knew each other. Like, they did. They, she, they, she oh, was did the one. Oh, that was the one. That first sold, episode. She first sold episode. Him the nets, I believe. That's what he said. Like. When he weren't bro- they talking about stinky, stinky Rick or something like that in episode one when they're like on the dock? Like, oh, do you yeah, remember that? They're like, yeah. oh, then you can go be wet off to stinky. Oh, wow, I didn't catch that. Yeah, so but- that was, I didn't even, I literally just figured that out right now. Yeah, so, so that's that was the him. reason that he, the fact, yeah, that but so, his, name's, his name is Aaron. Aaron, okay, A.A. Ron, fat of course. Yeah, fat, fat boy, fat yeah. boy, A.A. Ron. But mm-hmm. so, yeah, he brings her home to mom's like, we're getting married. So you have to like deal with her being a fae and like living here, yeah. basically. And the mom, mom doesn't like, like that. Yeah, at all. get her out. Yeah. And basically, you'll regret this. But yeah, so Pim's cleaning the docks, you know, she's scrubbing down some fish guts. And uh, she, yeah, I guess she falls. I, no, there's ours. There's, I have it written down here. Am I on the wrong? Like didn't, didn't we, doesn't Pim watch the burning? She does, yeah. Yeah, and I felt that scene was like kind of. I guess I just accidentally <laughs> deleted these, so you guys, you guys are carrying this right now. I know what, what we're talking about. I just, I guess, I accidentally deleted these from my notes. So yeah, she's walking around Aaron's village, and there's a red paladin. It's one of the red paladins we saw before in the map room of episode three, and he has this woman tied to a cross. He says like, "This will do," and basically has a crowd there. And it's a public execution of a fae kind. He shows that uh, this fae cut off their horns to try to live among the people. And basically, they're an infection and disease and burns her at the stake. And we see way too many people burn at the stake. that felt forced a little bit. I mean... Yeah, like, why why don't we gotta... We get it. I know the red paladins are bad motherfuckers. They burn (laughs) everybody, but, like, okay. Yeah, and Pim is just watching this. FaceTime, maybe, I guess. Yeah. Makes, maybe it puts a little bit more pressure on her for to get out of the area because they're burning phase, which is probably exactly why they showed that. Like she needed to leave, and that's why she. Okay, into the next scene we get, um, we we see uh, Pim overhears the Red Paladins talking about the fact that I think uh, the Wolf Blood Witch is in Grim Mare. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so, so she's cleaning some fish. Exactly. Yeah. So basically, Pim just gets a gets an idea of where Nimue is going to be. So and she did hear. I think the whole point of the burning was that's this is the first time Pim has heard of the Wolf Blood Witch, and she like mouths like, "Oh, Nimue, yeah. like that's who they're searching for." So I guess that was the point of that scene. I don't know. Seemed, I didn't see need to see another person burn alive. <laughs> um, they called her like the demon of. No, I'm sorry. That was the person they were burning. Was the demon of Duden. But um, anyway. Yeah, so Nimue is doing, she's cleaning. She overhears that where, I mean, sorry, Pim overhears where Nimue is in Grimaire. Um, and then, then this is where she meets the blonde trader who's actually, she calls him like, oh, so you're a raider. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think we have a name for him yet. So no, the, the blonde sub- raider. Yeah, the subtitles, they literally say raider. Yeah. So. And I think it's hilarious because did either of you think that he looked like the main actor of um, Sons of Anarchy? Oh, Charlie Hunnam? Who plays King Arthur in the yeah. King Arthur movie. I was like, I oh, literally was like, that is so weird. He did I, look like I him. saw exactly that. Well, that was, this was like the first time I, like, you know, pinned throughout a, a good line. And yes. she's just like on the ground. He's like, are you okay? And she's like, oh. My, my back, back. yeah <laughs> like uh, you gotta help me up like that was yeah. funny as shit dude pin killed it this episode yeah, yeah, i funny. totally 180 um and it was disgusting 
what was happening because she was oh, sweeping she up the up. fish guts. Yeah. And then the paladins kicked it over when she bumped into him trying to eavesdrop. And then she's literally picking it up with her hands, mm. putting it into the bucket. And then and she, she dabs yeah, she, him up. With she the, sees uh, the raider. Shots. Yeah, she puts out her bloody hand. He doesn't care. Picks her up. He wipes it on his fucking shirt. Fresh and yeah, stuff. yeah. And then as, you know, he's talking to her, she's like so enamored that she's playing with her ponytail with her bloody hands. Like getting out. That was like, oh, yeah, gross. that was gross. Yeah. <laughs> So we get the introduction to the blonde raider, and then we the next time we see Pim is later at night where she's kind of going out onto the dock, and she's going to sneak onto their boat. Yes. That's the end of her. Um, if we don't have any more comments, we can go to the last scene, which is the arrival into the Fey refuge in the north called Namos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Nimue, I think the voices actually led her to the refugee as well. Like, they were around the area. They saw the signs. Yeah. And then eventually the voices kicked in and then she just like, yeah, she said like this sign means North and this sign means follow. My mother taught it to me. They followed him. Did you guys talk about in the first podcast episode that, um, like the, the amount of time that the Netflix gives the transitional cartoon things like is out of this world. Like, do you know what I'm talking about? Oh my God. They're like double. I don't even notice that. Are you serious? Some are pretty long. They'll be like seven seconds, which is like, it should be a two. I kind of, I kind of like in some occasions because it does kind of tell the story. But at the same time, it's like the story that we just watched. So why are you showing it again? I I was just so mind blown because I, they do it in every single episode. Like there's Mm -hmm. like a good, like 10 seconds allocated to the transitions. But anyway. I don't mind them. So the last scene of the first episode, like we were talking about earlier, was we have, uh, basically we have Nimue, uh, Arthur, and more, who else is arriving at Namos? Um, it's just Nimue and Arthur, right? Yeah, yeah. just those two. Yeah, Because yeah. Morgana's already there, I think. No, 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 no she, she gets she's to the still, next day. She's still at the Abbey. She's still at the Abbey. But I also think we see uh, Iris arrive a little bit later, too. Yes. And she, but we, do, like, Nimue doesn't know she's there yet. And I think she does, Iris does see Nimue briefly. That might be next episode. episode. Either way, that's pretty much the end of the episode. And yeah, they get to the refugee, and she gets there. We, I think, we have to say this is like her voice is leader there. Like they, they're like they're reading the directions. They're getting there, and then the voices take over. Pull her towards it. Exactly. Yeah, the hidden puller towards it. Yeah, and you know, like basic complaint that I've been bringing up is just that we're going too fast. We're getting to places too quickly and too conveniently. And you know, like Namos got introduced 30 minutes ago and we're already yeah. here, but yeah, like the resistance just got introduced like earlier this episode and all of a sudden we're at like the resistance camp. Yeah. I thought like when they brought it up earlier in the episode, I thought maybe like four episodes down the line, we're going to get to Namos. I didn't think it was going to be 20 minutes later, but I just, that's just an overall complaint I have with the show's pacing. All right, good five now. Yeah, I think that's. I think that takes us right into the joining episode five. Yeah, this episode started off very, very well, honestly, but a little confusing because we were introduced to some new characters. But um, one we start off with this burly man just comes in. He's just him and a gang of people look, look like, like raiders. This big blonde Viking kind Vikings, of. Yeah, it's like Vikings. Paul Giamatti crisscrossed with santa claus is what yeah. it looks like and he's just butchering people left and right yeah and you get a pretty gruesome head chop like right away as he's slaughtering these people he leaves one alive and is basically just screaming like 
tell your king of lies, your men, your ships, and your kingdom now belong to Cumber, the Ice King. So we have to, we just, so that just automatically makes him assume that's him. Yeah, he says, I'm the true blood heir to House Pendragon. And then there's a lot of dialogue we'll go into later on that kind of open the door for some more fun fan theories. From their armor, from their weapons, and just the way they looked in general, their haircuts and piercings, we can tell that they're northern raiders. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, almost Vikings. Yeah, too. and I, I do want to say It was say, a great though, opening, though. I yeah, like. this opening was awesome because of how it played on the, the political world building, yeah, which, we, just, which is what this, it felt like this was missing. In two sentences, he already declared war politically for the yeah. throne. Like, and this is one of the, I'm finally happy to see that they don't resolve this by the end of the episode. Yeah. I was worried. I was like, is this gets resolved? Like by the end of the episode, I'm pissed. No, it seems like, so this yeah, is good. based we're, off we're that. We're starting to play a little Game of Thrones politics, which is just when, you know, we can, we can heighten this story. Yeah, if and I'm very right. excited to see where this goes. So like last episode, we're just going to break this down uh, by character. Sec- like we'll just start with Father Carden, who arrives at this like clearly like holy tent, like a camp site of some sort. And... He tries to enter him in the Weeping Monk, but the Weeping Monk immediately gets stopped. Which, for, yeah. what I was saying, I think that's because the Weeping Monk is a fae, and that's, they don't trust fae at all to even get into the tent. That is wild. I would have never assumed. Like, your yeah. this theory you just pitched, like, an hour ago is just, like, coming in, you know? I just, I totally took it, like, right away that he, that the Weeping Monk just wasn't a high enough status to go into the tent with the Pope, but Could it be. actually makes a lot of sense that, I, I mean, I kind of like the idea that the Weeping Monk is, like, a, is an ex-fay. Or- yeah, I mean, he knows all the signs, he knows everything, um, and it's, this was a really, really cool scene, because we see how Father Carden is not actually ranked the highest in the Red Paladin. Yeah, he's his little bitch. He just gets down on the and ground what, and makes yeah, his body what he cross. Does, he, just, yeah. like, he just fucking sprawls his arms and legs yeah, out. Kneeling wasn't enough. Ground. He yeah. needed to get as low as possible. I actually lulled at that moment. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> this so, whole scene I thought was like masterfully done because they just do a great job of of having the the pope do a complete heel turn in the beginning he's he's reacting so positively how many he's troops you have how many troops do you have he's got about five thousand. yeah and he's like oh that's, that's awesome, awesome to hear how many have you lost some yeah <laughs> excuse me what did you say yeah yeah he doesn't like that and he's, then, yeah, he starts getting really upset. Like he, he basically just starts flipping the whole entire vibe of the conversation and getting more and more aggressive because you he find you later find out that he knew about Nimue, how she's not dead, the wolf blood witch. And basically Cardin Father Cardin turned her into a symbol for the resistance by by basically putting her on his pedestal and, and giving her a just, title. And yeah, 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 title. yeah, yeah. That so was one of the big things. Just raising said. the morale of all the, the Fae that are still out there. So he's extra pissed at um, Father mm-hmm. Cardin. Yeah, and he's stepping out of the tub, like walking towards him, like as he's yelling at him. And you could see that Father Cardin is legitimately like frightened. Um, so obviously this man is way so above cool, him yeah. in status. And Cardin is not nearly as high as we thought he is. He's still high. Um, but and the, another bit of dialogue we get here briefly, um, the Pope drop name drops uh, the Trinity, and I think we're just to assume that's like his elite guard. I those took were the, the ones who had stopped the weeping monk from yeah, coming. Is that confirmed? I think well, I'm just assuming I that's think, them. Yeah, with the golden face, yeah, man. The golden yeah. faces, yeah. 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 So I think that's the Trinity. Um, we're gonna be calling them that for now. So we assume they're powerful fighters, right? They're like they're personal bodyguards. Yeah, like yeah. they're like the Dai Li agents from Avatar. Yeah, exactly. Um, so 
Carden goes back to the horse and he takes his anger out on the weeping oh, mom. He's basically, freaking out. He's so, not having it. He's yeah. completely just threatening him, saying yeah. like, "If I'm going down burning, you're mm-hmm. burning. I'm not burning alone." And he said he puts it all on him too. He's like, "This is your failure. Like you were supposed to find the witch." but she's still out there and it looks bad on me. And exactly what you said. Like if I have to burn, I'm not like burning alone. But let me just emphasize again. Father Carden is just amazing. That yeah, like, he, he just, his actor, he's just doing everything right. I yeah. I mean, him. he can, he can flip the switch so easily. And th- there's a line later on in this episode where he's like, they comment on like father Carden's like beautiful low voice. And it's, it's yeah, perfect. It is, yeah. The perfect bad guy, honestly. It also shows, uh, I want to mention this as well, like a little bit of internal strife between the Red Paladins. Like we saw there was definitely like a need for the sword between the lower ones, but now we see the upper echelon kind of arguing as well. Yeah, we're, this is really our first glimpse into cracks into their, their higher, higher ups because we thought like it was from their perspective, it seemed like everything was going really well. Yeah. Um, like they got the sword of power back or, or did they have yeah. Yeah, they have it at this point, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. they still have it. Yeah, yeah. So they have the sword of power back. They're, they're well, it's you know, on the way. Yeah, it's on the they're way. They're killing all these phase. Like like the Father Cardin said to the Pope, they got five thousand soldiers, like they're doing well, but there's like, you know, strife between the, the leadership over there. And it's actually awesome to see because I thought I think the weeping monk, not like I, I didn't know what I expected. I kind of expected him to stand his ground against Father Cardin, but it's, he seems pretty subordinate to him you know like he's he's willing to take his shit for some yeah. reason and i hope we get some backstory as to why he's not like shut the fuck up i'll kill you yeah you could just i feel like he if, easily could yeah i feel like if that was a one-on-one fight father card not yeah i'm not alive all right so next i guess we'll quickly um cover the pim scenes right i think we could do iris real quick just like the two scenes she has okay yeah yeah, yeah. Sure. so <clears throat> we see iris uh first scene at least that we see of her she just goes up to some red paladins, like camping out, eating some dinner. And she's like, let me join you guys. I want to be a red paladin. Yeah. Fuck off. I hate you. Um, but yeah, she's like, let me join. They're like, no, first you're a girl. Yeah. First of all, we don't accept girls and it's too piss off. Like, yeah. And then they kind of like, they kind of jokingly say it, but it definitely is true. But they're just like, the only way you could join is if you bring the wolf blood, witch's head. And that's obviously important because that's going to set her off on our, our path of, her her mission basically for the now whole she's probably gonna, prequel series. She's is looking be, for that head. Yeah, she's gonna be someone that's gonna be an absolute enemy to the resistance. Yeah, and then it's a couple scenes later, and then it's just um her alone in the woods, uh eating something, and a group of Fae show up and Iris gives the Fae their like food. Yeah, they're they're that. clearly like hungry or I don't really know, maybe trying mm-hmm. to make a see the first impression of how she reacts and they, she gives them food, they house it. Yeah, and good for Faye for, I'm sorry, good for Iris for not reacting to the Faye because, like, you know, that was a good plan if she's trying to find, you know, the Wolf Blood Witch to blend in. Um, and, you know, and usually when we see her hatred towards the Faye, she's all about how she thinks they're evil. Very So, open. you know, it was smart of her she, to play it cool. She, yeah, she handled her emotions well in that situation from what we've seen of her so far. It looks like she can just lose her emotions at points. So these Faye, they now you know trust iris and they say follow us we know a safe place so basically iris is going right into the heart of the fae which is exactly what she wants yeah and we'll see that later um then now luke we can get into the uh yeah yeah yeah. and Uh, okay let's just let's just set the stage here because pim (laughs) is hilarious yeah i 100 percent agree 
him was hilarious again, dude. She has su- had such a turnaround. Yeah, man. Her her just like funny like demeanor in serious situations is just like contagious. Yeah. And you know, like she was in a life threatening situation, and like you know, if this was a more serious show, like that person would most likely die. But you know, it's just cool to see her react the way she did. This yeah. is because yeah, she she because she last we saw she snuck onto the ship at the and the now night, it's yeah. her getting yeah. the raider ship. She gets interrogated by the captain, the captain of the boat, which we later go to find out is called the Red Spear. So I think just going forward, that's but yeah, that, I don't we that, have we couldn't determine yeah if I, if the Red Spear was a sub faction of Cumber. And like the new king that's trying to take yeah, over, or if they're, they're just like, like a raiders, like yeah. could be either one. At my first impression, I took it as I thought they were separate. Yeah. I thought they were together, to be honest. The ice king, so yeah, I'm, I think they're probably separate. I think we're gonna find out very soon. But I think so too. Now, yeah. after thinking about it, I think they're separate. But so yeah, that whole interrogation was hilarious. Yeah, like, so basically, like, what they end up saying to her is like, "We're gonna kill you if you're Faye," and then she's like, "I'm not Faye. I'm not Faye." And then, you know, like they said, okay, well, there's going to be no use for you anyway. Mm-hmm. And that's when, <laughs> that's when the, the King Arthur looking guy, the blonde, the yeah. blonde raider. The says other, like, other King Arthur, Charlie other King Hunnam, Arthur, King yeah. Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> the blonde raider says like, well, if she is Faye, she'll know good, she'll know good Faye remedies, which we already yeah. saw Nimue do a couple episodes ago. And our healer is the one lying dead Nimue, on the table. Nimue, so we Nimue need a healer. shouted out her healing abilities at one point, I'm pretty sure. She yeah. said like, I learned from this girl. Yeah. And, so yeah. like, so we know Pim is, Pim's the real deal when it comes to healing, it seems like. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. So she's looking at she's looking at the blonde raider and he's like, she he basically they're asking her again, are you actually a fae or not? And she's like, yes, I'm a fae. Yeah, I'm yeah, a fae. I'm a fae. <laughs> I was actually I was actually my village healer. I uh I healed everybody. <laughs> I I never lost a patient. <laughs> I never lost and then, a patient. And Charlie Hunnam was like, you like cut it, dude. Pull you're you're too little. much, too much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so really again, good. Pim killed it. And then I'm pretty sure that's that's the end of the first sequence for Pim. And then we oh, kinda... and they they also at the like last time uh, Pim and the boy toy are talking, he mentions he whips out a necklace. Oh no, like, that's oh. the second scene. That's what I was saying. Okay. Like, that's okay. the first scene. Okay. And then you get a little, we get like a um, short little, little montage, cute, yeah, montage of scene. her yeah. being the actual healer oh, for yeah. the Red Spear. That and, was funny. The, yeah. the guy's arrows in the back, and she just pulls it out, and she's like, "Oh, I got one!" Yeah, like, can't yeah. He's that like, works. he's bent over, and he's saying, "Like, you know, the old healer would have just cut it off so I could get back out there." And Pin's like, "Well, you got me now," and that guy's dead. So, <laughs> yeah. so dude, she was handling herself pretty well mm-hmm. for. And then basically, that leads to again the the blonde raider coming down, and they have their little romantic plant the seed kind of thing, flirting back and forth. Um, that's obviously they're yeah. gonna bang. Weird. Yeah, we she was like, "That's happening." She basically said, "I wish you would have drowned me. That drowning would have been better than dealing with this." But yeah, she's just, uh, she's just flirting. So yeah, I think I think we end there, and we just know that and then Pim he is now. That's when he mentions he whips out the necklace, yeah. cigar, cigar. He's like, "This is all the protection I need," and he's like, "I have cigar on my side, basically." Yeah. So it might be another religion. Who knows if that's important or not? But we'll just something, to, just something to note. Yeah. All right, so now we're going to move over to the, the Nimue the bulk, and Arthur. The meat of the story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, right. yeah, we we first get Nimue waking up. They're both in Nemos, and she is looking around immediately. And Arthur, I thought this was funny. It was like, don't worry. Like, your short's right there. Mm-hmm. Like, because he knows um, that he messed up last time, and that's all she cares about. Yeah, and then, like, right away, basically, Morgana walks into the room, and that kind of annoyed me a little bit because, again, I just keep harping on the fact that 
things happen. People get from places too conveniently, too quickly, but I'm kind of just going to have to accept that and move on because that seems like it's going to be a common theme the thing, going yeah. on. Yeah. Travel so, so whatever. Morgana's there. But what made me even more like upset with this scene was the lack of interesting dialogue between Morgana and Arthur, who basically just like look at each other and like, what's up? They don't even say that. Like, yeah. they're just like, whatever. For being a brother and sister that are divided most of the time, like, of, seems like they would actually you know be interested in talking to each other but yeah. so they must have like a bad relationship or something because the next scene we get is uh nimue and um morgana walking through the woods and morgana is saying like hey you, you don't have time to have a little crush like and i know you have a crush on my brother arthur nimue is like what the hell are you talking about yeah and but Morgana was saying, well, you know, I am his sister, so nobody knows him better than me, and you shouldn't get involved with him. So there is some weird turbulence there in that relationship. Yeah, they do. and I think it probably just stems from the fact that, like, while she did make friends at the Abbey, she was stuck there for how many years now? And, like, I guess she was heavily reliant on Arthur to get her out of there, and she never left. So yeah and that could be some tension that's i'm just that's just me maybe reaching and trying to save no i don't think bit. so i think there's meant to be tension because like i'm gonna basically be bringing this up constantly throughout you know my episode reviews because like my like my biggest thing is i want to watch the the transformation morgana becomes pure evil you know like i need to see that because that's like the, her that would just be her so path in arthurian legend she's supposed to be someone that wants to get to the point where she's going to want to kill arthur so it's okay to have these early signs of them being weird i love watching people spiral she into needs madness. to spiral in like the yeah. best way ever this this yeah. show is going like to i had joker in the yeah. joker movie like Joking yeah, yeah, yeah Phoenix, exactly like, i had no idea that was a thing but i definitely could see it happening now like, by the end of the series she needs to be full-fledged like getting ready to be the main bad guy if there were a hypothetical future series you know like she needs to be evil or i'm gonna be really pissed about it yeah but anyway so there's a couple of lines that she says in this in this walk in the woods to nimue that i thought were worth bringing up because she name drops merlin as being a druid who's known for supporting the king um and you know not his his fey brothers and i just think it's cool because i don't know if we've heard uh merlin being described as a druid to this point no i don't no. think so i mean i we knew that he was he magical knew. that was about it yeah we he knew but actually the there fey. was a moment where he was like um i forget when it was but he he did like i think it was king uther telling him like don't you want to defend your brothers like they're out there getting destroyed by the red paladins like why aren't you trying to do something about it like defend your brother so i'm assuming like druid is also just a subcategory of fey like yeah, fey yeah, still just sure. incorporates all magical yeah. creatures so he's still a fey but yes this was the first time we heard yeah. that he was a druid and then the cool. last part of this conversation which i thought was kathleen, to... kathleen would kill me if i didn't bring it up because yeah. There's just like the craziest sexual tension from Morgana's side when she's looking at I Nimue. I noticed this too. And I'm just like, I hope, I would love that way more than Arthur and her. Oh, I, you know, I would that ship that all adds day. fuel to the fire if Morgana loves Nimue. And she dies. No, and Nimue. No, it's a three, it's a, yeah, it's a, yeah, and Nimue loves Arthur, then Morgana 
will naturally hate Arthur for stealing stealing the one she loves. Dude, I'm Ooh. all about the theory. <laughs> I'm all about yeah, this but, theory. But I'm in. Arthur's whole thing is he's supposed to be with uh, his girl's name is Guinevere. She, so I hope she becomes a character at some point in this season, and then we can see some separation from Nimue and Arthur because fuck them two together. Yeah. 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 All right. Yeah, because, well, the, it's a scene coming up later. The next scene we get, though, is Morgana and Nimue uh, talking about the letter that they're going to send to Merlin. Which was funny. I did get a kick out of it. I I thought, uh, what was she saying? It was like, the, it was all polite in the beginning. Yeah, it was like, we'll give, saying, you, we'll give you the sort of power. You like, you got to just help us out, basically. Yeah, you need to protect the Fey people if we do give you the sword. And... The last sentence was, and if you refuse or you turn on us, we're going to paint the rivers red with your blood or something like that. Paladin's blood or something something weird like that. Yeah, but it was definitely funny, and Morgana's, like, evil side was in that a little bit. Yeah, she was like, that was the best part. Yeah, Yeah, like, I'm not saying that. Yeah, she didn't want to say it. I was annoyed that Arthur tried to chime in here and, like, kind of correct it saying like oh that's not how you create allies like he's the most honorable person when i yeah. i thought the last the whole not, purpose not of the person. last couple episodes was like arthur's nothing special why he's would he a, be yeah he's a thug yeah whatever whatever arthur um so they they know of a person or like uh, another fae that might know where merlin is so they find her her name is yeva she's a she's moon wing elder yeah yeah so she can apparently read minds too. I think they mentioned that too. Like, yeah, Mer- Morgana says to Nimue as they're walking up, "Don't lie because she can read minds." So there's no point. Yeah. So the, so they go in and basically ask her to send the letter, and she says, "I don't know where he is." And they just uh, like they have a little back and forth, and they eventually convince her, and she's like, well, "I don't know where she where he is." When, but my hawk might like yeah. he might he might know where a traitor is. Like there is tension when she mentions Merlin, like. I hate that man. Like, yeah, exactly. She actually spits when she hears it. And, and yes. I, I love that because that just we we were harping on the uh the Merlin being alive for five centuries thing earlier, which is again one of the cooler things that kind of just builds in a lot of character lore also, to him. Hold on, is yeah. that um you know the fact that that she hates Merlin, like everybody that's like been around for a decent amount of time has some reason to like kind of just hate merlin and it's kind of funny because he's so he's been so involved and interacted with so many different important like figures around the world so i just love hearing those little like the way people treat merlin when they hear his name everyone yeah yeah he's definitely been around um and he's apparently pissed a lot of people off yeah so that it's so cool whenever we do get Merlin's backstory, I love it. So I would love, I want all the world building behind Merlin. Yeah. Also, do we think Yeva is a Shadow Lord? Um, it's hard to just, it's hard to know what the criteria is or how many. I'm assuming there are. she's very magical and very powerful. They say she's a Moon Elder, and I, she can read minds. The fact that Merlin, she can read like, minds might make her. A, a lot of things Lord. point to the fact that she's powerful, but yeah. I, that's not probably something we'll get answered. Right. Yeah. All right. So I think the next that's pretty yeah, much what she, we get out of here. Sends, and she sends the bird to yeah, Merlin, Marguerite, or something like that. She sends her falcon. Says Marguerite can find anybody. So any she traitor, has the letter. Any traitor. Yeah. So she uh, she sends the letter out with him um, to find Merlin. And we'll pick back up on that in a little bit. Um, but anyway, so back to Nimue's next scene is this the is, worst scene yeah. in the entire episode. Boo. And made me want to throw up and blow. Boo. Yeah, yeah I boo. barely want to cover this. But <laughs> <laughs> basically, Arthur takes Nimue through all these caves 
to like a special little like romantic air a spot with like a with a pool in it yeah or like so a hot tub something that pissed me off here is arthur's like oh yeah this is a the most hidden secret in the village and oh this happens because the snow up top melts and is runoff to down like dude shut up you just found namos and you're acting like this is where you grew up and like this is your hometown like i don't know and dude she should still be so mad at him like i don't care that he helped get her to namos and he brought her back to the sword that he stole and lost from her like she should not be as chill as she is with him so easily in the scene like it's, it's like basic romance like yeah i mean i guess he technically saved her at the end you know when she was drowning but like come on like he, you're still gonna forgive him because of everything else. Just completely yeah, so we agree. get a little bit of arthur ass we yeah. see some arthur dick we're like very dangerously close to seeing yeah. arthur dick <laughs> a little swing and we would have caught the and we don't even get any and then they're cleavage. too soft to show anything single, of them way yeah do we yeah. even see any cleavage ever no no cleave dude yeah, what is this ah. But anyway, so they start talking about, you know, scars, like Arthur's scars, because Nimue's a little self-conscious about her, her bear, you know, the bear scratches on her back and stuff. Mm -hmm. They do the whole flirting thing back and forth. And then he, she actually goes in for the kiss after he'd set all this up and he kind of pulls the whole, oh, I don't want to give you my my debts and my problems. And I was like, dude, what the fuck is this? This is the worst, a five-year-old, like, like, romantic middle schooler wrote this. Like, this was terrible. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't a big fan. Like, how how are you going to set that all up and then you're going to change your mind last second? But, like, it doesn't even make sense, really. Like, Especially with the next scene. Yeah, exactly. So we get a quick scene meeting this person named Cora. That's another person at Namos. Um, and drops the, green drops the name of the Green Knight, who's basically the leader and the protector of the Fae that have, that have been struggling that are there. Um, and this kind of takes us to the joining, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. She mentions the joining, and it's just like, I guess, some ceremony. There's just like a festival. And Nimue seeks Arthur and is just like, Come to the dance with me. Yeah, come <laughs> to the eighth grade dance with me. Oh my God. Two romantic scenes, pretty much back to back, that took up like it was way five, too much time. And it was just time. five minutes of eventually just Arthur accepting. So they yeah. go. So they go and then they, you know, watch the ceremony. Then there's dancing. Finally like, get the kiss. Yeah. They, they go off to the side and then they start making out, which like, what the, what the hell? Like <laughs> the last scene, literally the last was not scene. Good, was that scene not good enough for you to kiss yeah, her then? It's the exact same situation, but you guys changed your mind. What like, they could have done is just mention the joining, then go to the hot spring, get the kiss, go to the joining. And then, more like, smooching like, or something just, I yeah don't know. It, yeah it was dumb. and then and it got worse it got worse too because like in the middle of the makeout sesh arthur pulls back and is like what if you're my honor oh like my God. like what if what if vomit like, everywhere i'm sure kathleen was like oh it's so cute i know she loves all the romance stuff but if she liked this part i'm upset with her dude she, he was like well maybe if i follow you and serve you i can restore my honor Blah. to which she responds you never lost your honor, which, yes, he did. The first or second night he met you, he stole your sword and ran away. The sword that means everything to you. Yes, he did lose his honor. Like, to which no I s- respond, but Yeah, it but, makes yeah. no sense. Like, so, I don't know. They start kissing again. Yeah, we're kind of done with the romance. They suck, whatever. Now, some... It doesn't seem like you, you two are on my side, right? We're not buying this this Nimue Arthur thing. It doesn't feel it's like it has It doesn't make it's sense. Forced. Yeah. It's forced. It's not going to happen. This, I, don't think, I don't think they're going to end up together. There's no yeah. way. This was just so forced right here. All right, so... 
basically as the joining's going on, this is when we get the first sight of the Green Knight, who Nimue knows as Gawain. And we kind of find out basically right away that Gawain was essentially a fae of her village that basically was like an uncle figure to her, like basically treats her as family. Mm-hmm. And we also know, Dave, I think you said this on the first podcast episode, that Gawain is a... Ends up on the round table. Yeah, which ends is up as one of so dope. And yeah. I'm already, so that like, makes me love their hate relationship in the beginning so much yeah. more because it's yeah. just, they're going to be boys. They're going to be boys. And it already sets a baseline of how strong he is and like he's going to be a noble person. If he's known as the Green Knight and all of Gawain the refuge, dope. yeah, his outfit's dope. I like his, I like his horns. I love when our feelings and opinions conflict because i hate Gwen. i think he's the like the first time we meet him it was cool because he was like this strong knight like this legendary green knight but first of all douche off the bat when he talks to um when he talks to arthur and he's like oh like who's this and he's like oh that's arthur like he saved me blah 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 um and he's like, oh, okay, well, thank you for protecting, like, my Nimue. For, like, dude, shut up. It's just Nimue. Like, why are you trying to say, like, she's yours and, like, all this other stuff? Uh, yeah, I, that well, one that one sentence did, like, rub me the wrong way, definitely. But, like, other than that, no, no this is, that wasn't this is, anything. This like, is basically a family member that thought their family member was dead and they're seeing him for the first time again. Nope. Yes, that's how I took it. Like, that's, of course, he's going to be a little prote- protective against the man blood that she's just randomly with. Yeah. But, I think, Paul, I think I'm going to give you this one no. opportunity. I know you you jumped on the Pim hate train early. Yeah. So, or if you're willing to die in the Gawain hate train one episode in, I'm, I'm, this is your last chance to get off that hill. All right. Well, you know. Because <laughs> you're leading this charge again into the, into the I'm hatred. just saying, I hated what I saw of Gwen in this episode. I yeah, hope yeah. he has if a You're willing around, to give another apology later. Sure. I will. Like, <laughs> I will. He is Arthur's knight. Like, he is going to be. They're going to be. No, be cool. because they, there was so much hatred. Like, it was almost like they were, like, fighting. But who knows? This show could also take this It was. Totally they were like both. Way. It seemed like they were fighting for Nimue. Because I actually didn't mention this either, but like Boars was also a Knight of the Round Table, I think I in lore. But like now he fucking has one hand, so like who the fuck knows yeah, if he's know even to able to be a Knight of the Round Table. So who knows? He might not end up being Alright, so when Gawain gets... And Gwaine's horns! Oh my god, the horns <laughs> I like are so stupid on your helmet. Like that won't like help him. in battle. Gawain's a beast. No, he's gonna okay. be a beast. He's gonna be, he's gonna be a great fighter, but Anyway, so when Gwen gets to Namos, who he has with him are a bunch of like basically little fae. And one of them being Squirrel, right? Yeah, our boy. He's our boy. Squirrel. And then also, I, I said earlier wrongfully that Iris um, came to Namos, but this is actually when Iris comes to Namos. So yeah, you can yeah. cut that earlier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so this, you know, she's got long hair, doesn't really look like herself. So I, I don't even know if, if Nimue would recognize her even if she saw her. Yeah, without having the. She looks really different. Obviously. Yeah, she has the bangs, bangs in front of her, and yeah. she looks different. So I don't. Even, I think she's basically going to be hidden to Nimue until she, you know, is going to have her revenge moment where she like what? They does something one, super evil. They only evil. had one interaction, right? But I'm sure they'll show she's going to remember. Yeah, I, should think, well, I think she she would recognize. Like I just think for this we'll find show, out. Yeah, we'll find out because Iris recognized her obviously. But okay, so then. Um, I think we get a little bit of the con- so when Gwen's talking to Arthur and Nimue, he's t- he starts talking about the sword of power, right? And then Merlin gets brought up, and then that's when he says like he hates Merlin. Gwen hates him. He says add, a, add another a- person to the fucking pe- list of people that they hate Merlin. Merlin. Yeah. He's like Merlin's a conjurer that turned against his own kind. So it's just you know further saying Merlin's obviously a fae. 
which is I had no idea up until this episode. This episode, yeah. I yeah, wish yeah. the show explained that a little better. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Um, and I th- think that's pretty much this. We we there is one quick scene I think we get with uh, Morgana. Oh, because okay, when they when they get there, don't they tell of the Abbey's burning to everyone? Like when Gawain yeah. gets there, and then yeah. now, and that's yeah. when Morgana finds out that both like um Celia, Cecilia died. Or Celia died and uh, Mother Abbas. Well, I think she was... Well, a little bit more about, like, before that. I just want to, like, uh, for the sword. Like, it was... Gwen was, like, they were talking, and he, he was emphasizing that the sword is the pride mm. of their of their village. Right. Like, it is... It's their history. And he was willing to take, like... He was willing to take that burden onto himself, like, in a Douche. genuine way. Yeah. He wanted the yeah, power Paul, for himself. He was himself. Steal yeah. it, man. He was so trying to steal <laughs> he it. Was. He's, he's a bad <laughs> but guy. he genuinely was like, look, I understand what this sword is and what it's capable of. I will hold it if you want me to. And she denies him. And he's like, okay, that's fine. Like, he's I trust He's a good you. dude. Yeah, he's I love a good this guy, guy Gwaine. Love this guy, Gwaine. <laughs> he rubbed love me the wrong way, man. <laughs> but that's when you hear, yeah, Morgana crying. Just know when Gwaine and Arthur are fighting, Paul's on Arthur's side. So, yeah. Yeah, it's not even like I like Arthur. Nope, nope. you gotta I just, pick one side. You I love just dislike Arthur. Arthur. <laughs> you I dislike loves Arthur. Arthur. Oh my my transitive par- property. You love this, Arthur. Uh, dude, this is how rumors get started. All right. So, uh, okay, yeah. so it goes back to uh, Yevon. No, before that. So Morgana is finding out about the the burning of the Abbey. Celia's dead. No survivors. This is when she drops another great, you know, character building um, line where she says, Luke like, Stark version I, of dude, it. I want this so badly. You have no idea. She's basically saying, like, she's like, I have such a hatred, such a frightening hatred deep inside me. And she's feeling all these emotions because, like, she kind of wants revenge from the Red Paladins. So mm-hmm. not only one is her is her evil, I guess her, like, vengeance personality building towards the red paladins because of this burning it's just like you can see the the layers of like witch yeah evil. Coming. Like, yeah, yeah coming. i totally called that morgana shut was up. gonna turn bad dude <laughs> shut up all right now we go go ahead take us to yavis cave part two. Oh yeah so they're in yavis cave and they talk about how they were rec- they received another letter from merlin saying that merlin received the letter and now they're going to perform this ritual so they can figure out where to meet up in person. So we're going to get to that after we talk about all of Merlin's story in this episode, because they tie together. So way back in the beginning of this episode, (laughs) the first scene we see with Merlin is he is walking through the forest and he gets surrounded by uh, Pendragon's knights. Mm -hmm. And he's basically before he gets captured leans into the horse, the widow's horse, and says, run back to the widow. And it gets off with the Fey Fire with it. Mm-hmm. So it's not on him anymore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, which I think is kind of cool. Like, he's just like, the, the horse is magical, and he's just like, take it, go, go to the widow. Yeah, yeah. and knows everything. It's pretty sweet. Um, so, yeah, so Merlin gets captured. You just got to, and then we get a scene skip, and then this is right where we get Uther and Mama Uther talking in her basically, basically perch, right? Yeah, which she said she was imprisoned, but I don't know. Yeah, um, um, and the whole point of this conversation is is Merlin is Mama Uther is leading Uther to kill Merlin. She's like yeah. saying, like, you got to get rid of this dude. He's not going to help. Like, yep. he's making the kingdom. He's bringing. And he's like bitching about yeah. Merlin, so it's just like, yeah, she's just going to throw that. It's, out. Yeah, of it's course. a it's a really cool way to see that the king. Uther doesn't know what to do. He's asking like Mama Pendragon all these questions. 
um, because he he's asked, so like, uncertain. And he's also like, what the, like, Cumber's out here fucking proclaiming shit. Like, what the fuck do I rightfully, do? Like, rightfully complaining about all these things that are out there. Yeah, of he has a lot yeah. of problems yeah. that, like, just popped up. And, yeah, like, he, he talks about the red powder. He has every right through his lands and how he can't, like, attack them. Merlin because, was supposed to be that, that fix for that, but he just clearly can't do anything without magic. Um, but the she also gives uh she also gives Uther the idea to join up with the Red Paladins actually so he can dispose of the Ice King of Cumber yeah yeah, yeah yeah that's so that's how she thinks he should handle these situations kill Merlin then go join the Red Paladins and kill Umber and Cumber we Umber. saw we saw something um really strange here it was Mama Pendragon you know I don't know if she was making food or poisoning food but she's doing something and then at one point uther says like how many of these food how many of this food on the table is poisoned which they say like is a lot so like she, it's it's already known that that's her thing poison yeah but it's just it's strange yeah, yeah another for those keeping score at home that's like the third person this episode that we found out knows merlin and hates him mm. yeah. yeah it's pretty yeah. cool so the next scene after, we get, are yeah. we done there? Yep, after yeah. visiting the mom. We bit. get Uther and Merlin real quick, small mm. conversation, and it's the night before he's supposed to be, I mean, we find out he's going to be executed the next morning if he doesn't present the sword of power to the kingdom. Merlin's in chains yeah. in the dungeon at this point. He's like, And Uther is showing off some of his intelligence here. He's fucking like, he like, what's it? Merlin's just like, give me a week. And he's like, no, fuck that. You get one day. But like, He's like, he's like, you're, you, you've said this before. Like, I know all this, these things you've said, like he's spitting back all mm. these things. Merlin we take said. the teachings you like tell us to heart. We're not, not listening to you. Like you're, yeah, you, you're a powerful magician. You like, think and, we're not listening, exactly. but we are listening. Yeah. And, and he, he gets into the lesson that Merlin taught him before. When you see a bad omen, it doesn't always have to be a bad omen because you can take it, get new information from it and then turn it into something positive. Yeah. So he re he reiterates this to Merlin too. So he when he says like I need another week, he says nope, you got 24 hours and that's it. So yeah. it's it's a weird, you know, more confident side of Uther that we haven't seen before. Definitely a plus one for Uther's character as a whole. Like he became a, he, he had a little bit more confidence He's in this in his, he yeah, knows, yeah, yeah. He knows like like we said, he has all these problems that are out of his control. Like yeah. he actually is a smart guy. Like he's trying to solve them the best he can, but he just is getting nowhere. Yeah. And then, so Uther kind of threatened saying like the age of wizards are over, basically saying like magic's dead. You don't have magic. You haven't been helping us. We're going to kill you tomorrow. If you don't give us the sort of power. And then it's tomorrow. And now it's tomorrow. It's the, ex the day of the execution. And this it's basically we just have like a what are they called? What are the execute is it executioners? Yeah, executioners block and stuff like that. And the executioner is swinging his ha uh, axe, ready to decapitate. And him. Miss and Mama Uther's up in her perch, looking down. She's and, watching. Yeah, she's, she's looking. She's watching. And yeah. then we hear Marguerite the Falcon, and then we see him come in and actually attack the executioner, lands, and then. Merlin is like, oh look, it's a note, my liege. Yeah, like, just he knew it was gonna happen. Like he was so confident that that bird was coming in, or like what something was gonna save him. Yeah, it was pretty. Cool. It was funny though. Yeah, and so they read the note, and it's just basically saying, it's for Merlin. It's it? from like Nim, the girl, like the wolf, the wolf blood, blood witch. witch, and she says she's gonna deliver the sword soon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And so that basically makes Merlin helps Merlin live another day. 
and I mean, this is kind of bad for Uther because he was just talking about all the issues that his kingdom is facing. And he was holding this public ex execution to be a symbol. Make a statement. Yeah, it was making a statement saying, like, don't defy us. And it was supposed to be this big public event, and the crowd was all for it. They hate Merlin. Yeah, they hate Merlin, and they were cheering it on. And now that it's canceled, they started booing Uther. But Uther had no chance but then to pull him he back. Had to, he had to pull him back. Like, so that's just sword too. now Uther is like almost losing the people too. So he's, he's in deep water. And then as soon as Merlin gets let up, basically when he, what he says to Marguerite, as she's like basically going to fly back, he says, Oh, you're one of Yeva's. Are you tell that old crown that this changes nothing between us. And I love that yeah. quote because it shows that while everyone hates Merlin, Merlin hates a lot of these other people too. And maybe this is a situation where Yeva's the one that actually wronged Merlin, but whatever, just cool. Who knows? background dialogue you know that just kind of says things about their relationship without actually saying much right. yeah it was awesome yeah honestly right. and the next scene we get is merlin paying a visit to her queen majesty regent this is one of my favorite scenes the of scene. the episode yeah, this and is yeah so good she he basically like she he basically is just like this day reminds me of a story and then we get the story of the midwife which if i can get into this real quick it'll yep. just uh so it starts out uh as a cold night in may so something out of the ordinary already there are people gathering for a, for a king was being born but the previous king had died a couple months before leaving the queen a regent so there was not a true blood heir but if she like if she didn't give birth to a male right yeah from would, the from the deceased king cuz that would be like his actual seed but so. if it was a son he would rule as the true heir yeah but the baby hadn't turned and struggled inside the mother and became a stillborn boy so meaning no, meaning yeah. the the throne was going to be empty so what what the queen regent ends up doing is going to a peasant family in the kingdom that she knew just gave birth to a new healthy boy and this is the midwife. This is no, 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 no. Okay. So, this, I mean, the correct, midwife. Correct, correct, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so they they go to the the newly born baby from these peasants, pay him off a lot of money, say we need to make this kid, we need to pawn him off as our own, as the queen regent's child, so he can rule and mm -hmm. keep the bloodline going on. They end up killing the the peasant family mm -hmm. and the midwife. I think what is the specifics of the midwife? The midwife knows Literally about the this midwife. Or? And the queen regent devised a plan okay. because the she, queen because the regent knew, knew that the stillborn was dead. So the midwife correct. was basically had so this had, knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. So there was a couple discrepancies about what actually happens in the end. They said maybe um, because the peasant mother uh, of the baby boy was found poisoned the next day, which we know is uh, queen regent mama Pendragon's specialty. Yeah. Um, because she was found dead the next day and everybody else who was involved in it was found dead the next day. The only people left alive were Queen Regent and the midwife. They and were presumed nobody... dead from suffocation, though, but the, there the, were yeah. some people that assumed that knew it was poisoning. Sure. Which the, makes yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. And then the midwife is also killed at the end of this story, right? The, the, the story. No, well, the that's mid, the discrepancy. No, 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 no that's they the discrepancy. The midwife happened to the midwife. No, the midwife fled. And, and so that's why, like, that's why, um, so if she were to return, she would pose a threat 
because she could break the lineage line. She, like could, she, has the true she could come out and say yeah. that kid's not actually a blood heir. Yeah, but the way Merlin was telling the story, how I remember watching the scene was the, the mom was saying, like, they both, they both basically were on the same page that the midwife was dead. And then Merlin says, like, but what if the midwife has been under my protection this well, whole time? Yeah, that, so that's the two discrepancies. They're saying, Merlin's saying nobody knows if she ran away or nobody knows if they killed her. And then at the end, yeah. he says... Or maybe there's a third option that the midwife is alive and well and she's been under my protection yes, yeah, the yeah. whole time. And you see the Queen Regent's face drop at this because, like you were saying, the midwife is the key to destroying her line to the throne. Yeah. And this specific story is, does a great job of opening up to theories. And um, so some things I just want to air out of what this could possibly mean, especially because this is the episode we were introduced to Cumber. Um, what this could mean is what I originally thought was that there's definitely a chance that the stillborn. So, so we know that the, the peasant baby is Uther and that's now the king. He's a fake king. He wasn't, doesn't have the true blood. Mm -hmm. So my thought is that the stillborn could still be alive and could have lived the birth and is now grown up as a true lineage. Cumber. And this could be Cumber yep. or Cumber knows that Uther isn't the real heir and is like somehow the next heir in line through the brother of the Pendragon. So either way, he could actually be rightfully the king. He could be right. Yeah. Everything he's And now is right. the other theory we have is that the midwife could somehow be Arthur's mom. That would be crazy. Which could yes. somehow link Arthur into the he okay, wouldn't have wow. any direct he wouldn't have any direct claim to the throne, but like that just kind of puts him into the middle of the story in some yeah. way that's meaningful. That would be I, either way i'm in i mean they could both be yeah. true he could you know arthur's mom could be the midwife they and cumber could be the actual heir 100 i'd be fine with either yeah I, I like all that story i think that story did a great job of, of opening the possibilities for what could happen here yeah bloodline bloodline theories are always so cool it's yeah a, man it's a thrones. this is literally game of thrones this is stannis baratheon you know like claiming that joffrey's not the actual, the actual heir, heir yeah. that would be the cumber being stannis yeah yeah that'd be cool if that's true <laughs> But um, that well, night, yeah, we'll get more information about that later. Yeah, that night, uh, Yeva basically connects Merlin and Nimue spiritually through a location that they both know, and it's the uh, what is it called again? I always forget this. Uh, this the, is the, the, house the House of the Hidden, House yeah. of the Hidden, yeah, yeah. which is where Lenore died. But they meet there, and right away, Merlin's like, "Like, how do you know this place?" And she's like, "Like, this is where the place where my mother this is died. like the Sky Folk. This is my place. This yeah, is I, my I'm mother's the Sky Folk. Temple. Yeah, exactly." Yeah. And then the, obviously there's like the whole reveal that, oh, he, how does Merlin know Lenore is the next question, you know? And yeah. I think this is, um, I love the scene because even before you get to those bigger reveals, like uh, Nimue does a great job of asking the questions that were coming to my mind as they were coming, like ask Merlin this, this, this. And she was going like right down the list. He wasn't giving her any answers, but at least she was, you know. I think she was more so just talking it to, through herself. Yeah. You know, she was like, you know, I was asking myself these questions, like, why did my mom trust you? Like, why are you the person that my mom was my dying wish? Blah, blah, blah. And then we get the big reveal. Oh. Merlin is Nimue's father. Dude, I got chills. Mine, scene, I, I'm got, I currently have chills yeah. right now. That was great reveal. <laughs> yeah. Did not expect that in the slightest. Like, we had, shout out to us, because we had mentioned, like, a potential love affair or, like, love set like in the last episode because between Lenore and Merlin. Yeah. Based on how Merlin treated her like deceased body, like closed her eyes, like handled her, handled her dead body, like very caringly. Um, yeah, we had, but we didn't expect this. This no. was fucking groundbreaking. This scene was really cool too, because 
the little hints that I didn't even catch up, catch and the first watch through, um, you know, Merlin, when they're in the house of the hidden, he won't look at Nimue. He is trying to avoid her gaze. And as Nimue is asking the questions that Luke was talking about, eventually she says, you know, look at me. And what do you see? He looks at her and says, you know, like you have her eyes, all this other stuff. And then he's like, well, what did she name you? So, you know, he's asking weird questions that wouldn't be. And so she, she finally puts it together. She was like, why did she tell me to bring it to you? The stranger it makes no sense because you're my father. That's so the only way. I, I, and earlier in this episode. And Merlin was shocked too that she deduced yeah. that. He well, had a little like, whoa. Earlier this episode, we saw visions of her adoptive father, I guess, Jonah, who mm. Lenore was married to. And every time that we saw an interaction between Jonah and young Nimue, you can tell that he looked at her with some type of disdain. And it reminded me exactly of how Captain Stark looked at Jon Snow, this bastard child. Yeah. So, you know, I should have put it together, but I didn't. I had no idea that Merlin it's was It's a perfect about. parallel because, like, I didn't – looking back on it, that's exactly how it felt. And yeah. it was, they did a good job. Like, you're like, why is Jonah being such a dick? And yeah, it makes sense. No reason. Yeah. 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 At one point, you know, she, he, and when he, Jonah is leaving, Nimue says, like, like, stop, come back, I'll change. And he looks at her, says, like, you can't change, it's in your blood. So, it makes you know, so much sense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Should have seen it coming. So, but that was a great, great episode. Yeah, this that episode was, was awesome. That was by far at this six was close but like this episode at this point in time was by far the, the best, best episode yeah. so i think that can... takes us right into the sixth episode six baby let's episode get it. six festa and moray festa and moray uh we open up with merlin uh holding a trinket of some sort um it's like some little box he opens the box up and there's like a little like old like it's an old flower like it's uh starting to decay it looks like um, but he's packing up, getting ready to meet Nimue. Um, some guard, like Uther arrives with some guards. He like quickly, like, you know, hides the trinket. And um, Uther is basically telling him, like, wishing him well on his journey. But like, don't forget, like, you're doing this for me, but, essentially. Real not quick. In, like, not that This way. was not the direct first scene. Yes. But this is, we're going to cover, you know, we're going to cover the bucket of Merlin first. This is the Merlin, first. Into Merlin and Nimue. Yeah, first Merlin scene. Yeah, okay. All this episode. Yeah, yeah. But this, this conversation is actually awesome because, like, Uther and Merlin are talking to each other for the first time without, like, complete contempt from one side. You know, like, they're actually, like... Uther was, Uther was Uther just preaching was actually, loyalty to the crown and saying like how Merlin's like you know finally like doing what he should be doing and he doing was his actually duty. wishing him well on yeah. his journey. You know, he I was, like this conversation a lot because he I, I really think he wants Merlin to succeed. Like he knows and he wants Merlin to care for the kingdom. Like the kingdom wants Merlin, like wants to care for Merlin. You know, like they want to be prosperous together. And it's just like yeah. So Merlin's one, goal is basically to bring this sword yeah. to Uther at one point. Uther says to Merlin, like, I'm so happy you rediscovered your loyalty to the crown, which is kind of cool because you see Uther, like, you see him forgiving Merlin, but also wanting Merlin to come back and be good. Like, he yeah. actually does kind of give a shit about Merlin. A little bit, yeah. And it's, it's, it's so weird to know that, you know, like, we, now we know that Uther is not the actual, like, heir to um you know the pendragon line and he's not going to be the king at the end like is merlin gonna 
kind of treat him as a friend or is he going to yeah, be like, like screw is, this guy like, like this guy's useless he doesn't care now, anymore yeah. i don't know it's going to be weird to see how uther's if uther doesn't die like what his dynamic is with everybody else yeah i mean they even brought it up how awkward it was that uther almost executed merlin and uther was like you know it didn't give me any pleasure to do it but it was something i had to do um and they also make a little note right here merlin says you know i was instructed to come alone so i'm going to go alone better not risk it um and that comes into play a little bit later um but you know at the end like you guys were saying uther actually wishes him good luck and i hope you succeed and like for the glory of the kingdom. Yeah, so then Merlin's actually on his way to go meet Nimue. He's outside in the woods, and then he just kind of stumbles. I mean, like, he's kind of planned. Like, he stumbles upon the widow's horse again, who has still has the fey fire, the green fey fire, and the unburnable canister. Um, and he's getting ready to set off. And we see him start galloping away, and we flash over to Mama Uther, Mama Pendragon, who it's weird that she's out of her perch with no explanation but she's kind of there and she sends a couple of soldiers to follow Merlin. Yeah. This pissed me off because they made it a point to say like, I'm held prisoner here up in this castle perch. Like, but I could see everything. Well, it's like, well, if you're being held prisoner there, why are you down like out and about and riding a horse? And like one, how did Merlin not see you? Like it wasn't even close. Like you guys were close. Definitely not discreet at all i mean that's just a little detail that bothers me yeah it was weird because maybe we can assume that uther has her on house arrest where she goes outside like she has five guards with her that won't let her leave the premise she did have a guard she did. with her she okay. absolutely but yeah. it's but, like, but it felt she more instructed like him. yeah it felt more like cersei's guard of like loyal to her soldiers yeah. and her said, saying go get merlin yeah she said send word who he's meeting up with once you're sure yeah so that's when the whole line of Merlin saying, I was instructed to come alone. You know, this is going to come back to bite him in the ass. And we're going to pick back up with Merlin in a little bit once she meets with, up with Nimue. So now we're going to cover up the Nimue bucket of, of plot points. Mm-hmm. So back in Namos, we have a conversation, an early conversation with Gawain, Arthur, Nimue, basically talking about how Nimue is going to go by herself to go meet Merlin and to have this conversation about giving him the sort of power yeah just a cheesy argument of like love i guess just over who's going to be the one to escort her yeah and- well first of all douche gawain <laughs> without even asking he's like you know what fine you just meet me in the north exit like you know i'll have horses and i'll be your escort it's like dude stop just mansplaining dude, like getting well, all up in there and i'm assuming you everything she would be way safer with gawain than arthur so yeah, i'd much Whatever. rather would have been i just don't gawain. like his attitude coming in whatever but she ends up she just ends up choosing kaze who is just this she looks like a warrior straight up warrior fey she's obviously fey because she she literally like hisses at arthur because he has man blood when she tries to talk to her yeah which sucks because he was being hey like we haven't entered like we haven't met like i'm arthur to which she automatically hates him which sucks probably because he's a man blood yeah, exactly. But so but yeah, she looks like a so Kaze's decided to be the the companion for Nimue, mm-hmm. and they're and the, walking out. Of, are we good here? We're, we're, yeah, we're yeah. I was just gonna out, say yeah. they're as they're walking out. 
they, they see Morgana. Yeah, and then yeah. she's depressed still, obviously. And this was another scene that did it for me because she specifically is like, I'm going to – she basically wants to kill the Red Paladins now for what they did. And I think this – is this the closure scene she has where she's basically putting to bed all of um Celia's – Like knickknacks. Yeah, trinkets yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah. So and, I, I like this scene. And, <laughs> yeah, to build on your theory, which I 100% agree with now, she says, like, you know – I want to come fight for you because now I fight for, and then she pauses and she's like, well, I don't even know anymore because, you know, like Celia's gone, Abby's gone. Like, I don't even know what to believe in. So Still, she's, she's going to be like an independent chaos. She's like, a blank. Entity that's going to grow. She's a blank can- canvas. Yeah. It's yeah, going to be, blank it's going to be really cool her, to see what they do with her. Her inner tor- uh, turmoil is just like building and building. And, and just know I'm going to lead the hate train on Morgana. If she's like pure and good. <laughs> whole grain dude yeah whole grain making a down tr- uh, turn yeah. yeah they get on their way uh nimue and company and i think at one point morgana's just like just the hidden will guide you hidden yeah. do hidden do guide her to the location and here we go merlin and nimue face to face yeah so we get the the setting of this whole place is basically this ruined castle you could tell it's like it's kind of broken down. It's like overgrown with grass and everything over it. And yeah, this must have been hundreds of, if yeah, not a maybe long a thousand years. And Nimue says to Kaze and Morgana that she's going to go in there and meet them alone. So they're kind of just posted up a little bit outside the castle with enough view of the place, so which is important for later. And now we flash back to, to Nimue walking into the castle and meeting with Merlin. And thinking about these characters, this is a pretty epic like I think first this was conversation a great, in yeah, person. I think this was a great in- first interaction right off the bat. Um, it's just like there's like some tension, you know, as well as there should be. Like Nimue, that's her father, whom she's just meeting for the first time. You know, she's berating him with questions, and he's just like, I'm not answering. I'm not yeah. answering over and over again. Besides the jetpacking of how quickly Nimue and Merlin met with each other, like I, I kind of liked the contents of a lot of the scenes that we're about to get here because we find out that Merlin tells, well, first we, we do get a quick conversation between Nimue and Merlin where Merlin does confirm that he really did love Lenore. Mm-hmm. And what, what does Merlin say back? I know one of you. Yeah, it was, it was a cool line. I liked it. Nimue asked him, did you love my mother Lenore? He says, yes. Did she love you back? With he responds, uh, I'd, I flatter myself with saying that at one time I think she did or yeah. something along those lines. He was being humble. Yeah, that was like exactly. a humble response. You know? So it, she, he actually did care about her and he thought she was too good for him or something like that. And yeah. she wants a lot of answers real quick, obviously, like she did in the, in the Yeva meeting. He doesn't feel comfortable answering them, which is like, I guess, understandable because he's just, I guess, about to show her right now anyway. Yeah, but. so he says like words won't do yeah. it basically. So I'm going to show you. And then this is how we get introduced to the idea, the name of the episode being Festa and Moray. Mm-hmm. And the reason it is because they're the two ghosts of, yeah. of past lovers that in inha- that, do you know the story? Yeah, so they were born into rival clans. So it was like Romeo and Juliet. Okay. Um, there was uh, a man and a woman born into rival clans who were, you know, they hated each other, but they had this forbidden love. They ran away to this castle, and I think it was called the Castle of Kulzian or something like that. And they drank hemlock, poisoned to kill each other, and they died in each other's arms so they could be with each other forever. But now that they did that, uh, Merlin talks about how, you know, the spirits of Colzine can traverse the past or something like that along those lines. Just a write-off line that just 
they can show you the past, which is you know, magical cool. in a magical ritual way. She hears the voices and is like, oh, like, who's there? Like, you didn't come alone. You lied to me. And Merlin's response, no, that's just the spirit you hear. So, so that takes us right into flashback number one. Yeah, yeah. He brings her to the bench, says, sit down there, close your eyes, don't be afraid, let the visions come. And Merlin pulls out the relic of Cuisine, the necklace. And I just the thought, anal beads. yeah, I thought these, <laughs> this ritual was just really cool. Just sitting there, like twirling the beads around the wire, like slapping them into each other. I thought it was just a really unique and cool ritual to summon these spirits. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so he starts doing it. The music gets a little weird. You start hearing, like, you know, spirits coming through. And then we flash over to having Nimue and Merlin act as, you know, like in the Harry Potter pensieve. Like, they're just witnessing a memory live, and they're watching Merlin when he has his powers. So, dude, badass. So awesome. I want more of this somehow. Somehow, someway, we'll get it. I know it. So, Merlin is clearly like hurting right now in in this scene, and he's like pacing and he's like running towards the woods. And you see this enormous like barrier of of limbs tied together, and he just like flicks his wrist real quick and it just like explodes open in like this powerful magical way. It's the flick of the wrist. It was literally like nothing. Give me more flashbacks of Merlin with power. It is so Dude, cool. The ease that he did that is speaks so much to how strong yeah. he could be and stuff, which he, is awesome. He carries the show for me personally now when he doesn't have powers. I can only imagine yeah. how cool he was when he did. Dude, he was yeah. awesome. But so so he's limping his way through the gate that he just destroyed, and he actually makes his way to the uh the te- the, the, the house, house of the, of the hidden, hidden house of the hidden where he actually he just collapses, collapses from in pain the same, and stuff. in the same spot that Lenore died coincidentally yeah. like yeah, yeah. right next to that like uh altar thing and then we see Lenore it kind of like a mini skip ahead and we see Lenore herself like kind of you know cleaning Cleaning. up the the house of the hidden as she maintains it and she sees Merlin on the ground and starts freaking out it's like oh my god I gotta help you and she kind of helps him up throws him on that table onto the slab slab yeah yeah, yeah. and Merlin (laughs) Merlin is saying like let me be like I want to die all this other stuff and she's like not in the house of the hidden you can't die like it's not your choice takes off his like jacket whatever it is and just like you just instantly see like right above his heart like just like his chest area it's just a huge abrasion there's a huge abrasion just like black and blue just veins popping out black veins just out of it this thing is clearly the the issue obviously i want to give myself credit here because i this is when i looked at you when we were watching this live together i looked at you guys or at least dave because i knew he didn't see the episode yet and i was like that's definitely going to be the source of his magic and like she you know we she get the slices next episode, it's like three the, minutes craziest gore i hated it i love this scene i hated it this is crazy i can't handle i can handle quick chopping off of like a head or whatever but like if you get incisions like surgery like dude it showed details of her cutting this open and basically just pulling apart his upper peck yeah she split open his chest and then just like reaches in there just full throttle and (laughs) just pulls like she's playing tug of war dude and and it it kept going i was was, like oh my god like what is it was like that yeah the handkerchief i did not think it was the sword until the sword was out of it i was like what is it was it was flaming and on fire and all this other crazy stuff what the fuck is going on and you know like when i first saw that he had some in him and she was like oh we're gonna get it out it looked like the pommel of the sword like right on his peck and i was like is that the pommel and i was like no there's there's no way because there's no way a sword is in him but then it makes complete sense because when you go back to what is it episode one 
when Merlin gets struck by lightning. Stand he, on the metal. He has this, yeah, stand on the metal. <laughs> he has the scar of the sword directly where it was Lenore it was, yeah. pulls it from. Which, which is I cool. think is really cool. And it is cool too, because when, when, when you think about the early episodes, Merlin truly believed that the sword was destroyed because we're going to find out very soon that Lenore tells him that. But the reason I bring that up is because like, this is clearly was like the source and core of his powers and stuff. And now he thinks that's gone, but now he finds out that's like from Lenore that, I mean, uh, he finds out that he found out from Nimue having it, that the sword's not actually destroyed. So there's still a chance that he can get his powers back. You don't know if Merlin's going to take that route or if he's he's going to like steal the sword for himself to get his powers back. Well, at this point he doesn't even, no, his powers are gone because it's a cool little scene coming up um, that we're going to find out. But, you know, the next thing we do see is Merlin and Lenore walking through the woods together. This is still a flashback. And basically, no, no, no. That's a, that happens after the um, so so the end of I think the sword pulling of him. Like getting he's pulled all out healed of him. up. He wakes up. Right. And we get we get the hidden practice in, in real life. Right. No, no. Oh, okay, a little okay, bit sorry. after, yeah, but yeah, they're walking. They're talking like Merlin's talking about his childhood. We find out his he was a mama's boy, loved his mother to death, um, and his dad was like a scientist or like I think that's what he says. But like, yeah, man of science or something. Man of science just never really paid any attention to Merlin, so Merlin was always clinging to his mama. Yeah, I literally have in my notes. Merlin thought Lenore was hot because he had mommy issues. <laughs> Which is facts. True. Big facts. It's legit true. Um, yeah. And then that's when we exit out of flashback and it's Merlin and Nimue uh, walking through. And Merlin's basically teaching Nimue how to be an enchantress. Yeah. Um, she says, like, oh, like, I'm hungry. And he has this weird freak out where, like, it's like a dad freak out for the first time that he, like, needs to make this dinner for his daughter yeah so that was a little awkward for yeah me, but it was it was cool it was a little strange though um so they walk out they see this you know dead apple tree and merlin says you know how about you use your powers to awaken this apple tree which she responds to you know i'm not i'm tired i'm not in the mood for a lesson and merlin has a cool you know answer to that which is you're afraid of your powers just like lenore was she could have been so much more than she was she could have been a shadow lord instead of the wife of some peasant to which sets nimue off but real quickly to jump on that shadow lord comment i like that because basically what that tells us is that anyone born of fey descent basically anyone that has powerful magic can ascend to become a shadow lord and it doesn't seem like there's any other criteria besides just having powerful magical abilities because like you know lenore could have done it basically merlin saying you can you have the ability potential to become a shadow lord and i feel like that just adds a little bit of depth to shadow lords because we don't really know anything about them there's no specifics we know any information we find out is pretty cool yeah Yeah, exactly so she actually she gets mad at this she says don't talk ill of my mother again on your seat or you'll see really powerful magic we see some roots come out of the ground a little bit away and Merlin's like, yeah, like anger is your trigger. So basically, like lean in, use emotion, and try. Like he's like, you can, he's like, it. you can use other emotions too. I think is what he says. Yeah. Like you, you don't have to rely on your anger. And then she There's closes a lot of her tricks. Yeah, he she, says. yeah, he, she closes her eyes and like holds yeah, he her says, hands to the magic. Imagine your intention and surrender it to the hidden. So she tries it, it makes uh, the tree bloom. Yeah, and you know it. 
uh, awakens, it sprouts apples. And then Merlin says, you know, what trick did you use? She says, I thought about somebody that I loved. And Merlin has a weird response where he's like, huh, like, I'll have to remember that trick. And it's weird because he's been alive for f- at least 500 years and he never thought about thinking of someone he loved. It kind of shows his character that he really only looked out for himself, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's not much else you could say from that. It just t- says a little bit of bad things about Merlin. Mm-hmm. You know, like he hasn't thought of that. But yeah, so that that's pretty... Oh, we do get a... We basically get a the intentions of Merlin for what he wants to do with the sword of power because I know between this conversation we find out that he doesn't actually want the sword Mm -hmm. to give it to Uther he wants it so he can destroy it so no one can ever be corrupted and touched by it again right yeah well he doesn't actually say he wants to destroy it yeah he doesn't um he doesn't say his true intentions but he does say like you know this sword is a burden I never want to yield it yield it again which Nimue was like, oh, it was your sword. I thought somebody buried it in you. I thought that was a little cool detail um, that, you know, it was in him. He put it there. Um, and he says, no, like, I don't want it, but give, give it to me. I'll release you from this burden. Doesn't tell him, tell her his intentions yet. That comes a little bit oh, later. Sorry, sorry, jump the gun. Um, no, yeah, you're good. It just uh, shows a little bit later. We'll get to it. And then Nimue is just like, I before i even give this to you show me more of mm-hmm. like what you have so we get to flashback number two and then this is this was a little comedy scene. A little comedy because he flashes her back right to the night of the conception yeah. and it's just not after he, he it's before the long during he, he is L- lenore is taking merlin's <laughs> dick right reacts now. to it in such a like cute funny yeah. way she was yeah. like no not this please <laughs> yeah, no, thank you here not here yeah that was awesome but then yeah they uh it's just fresh after there's some pillow talk going on here um and this is where lenore gives the flower that we see that yeah. merlin has in the beginning they have a little you know loving moment blah, don't blah, they blah. talk about marriage here yeah they're kind of just like they get into marriage a little bit and like He's- merlin asks lenore like do you love him or like yeah. i guess lenore says i'm promised to another His oh name that's is right that's right 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 and Merlin's like, well, do you love him? She says, no, but, you know, there's nothing I can do. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think the next scene we get is Merlin. Yeah. Is Merlin kind of looking in on Lenore, talking to her soon-to-be father-in-law and Jonah. Mm-hmm. And basically, Jonah comes off as a little bitch. Like, his father-in-law's Jonah's like, go pray or whatever, right? Like, yeah. And exactly. And then her father-in-law soon-to-be father-in-law is like what are you going to offer to my family and she's like i didn't mm. ask for anything i'm yeah. a, you she's know like, like he's ripping into her saying like oh like where are the offerings like i hope you're not going to keep the house the same way you keep this she's like listen like people i keep it clean people bring the offerings all this other stuff basically father-in-law seems like a douche and joan is not sticking up at all um you know he's praying and then it pans over to see we see merlin he's in you know the corner looking and he tries a spell which to his amazement it doesn't work he tries it without an incantation at first it doesn't work then he tries it with an incantation and it doesn't work and then we see the panic hit yeah and then the next scene is him outside by the woods like freaking out doing all these spells like testing everything like they were cool hand motions you can tell yeah like when he was doing it to himself like he was was doing this he's like "Ah, i would love to know what all of them were and uh yeah it's it's obvious he's done those spells a million times and nothing's happened so of course he's freaking out he's been alive for five centuries being the best magician in the world and it's like 
all of a sudden, what the hell happened? Yeah. So he kind of has this and thing knows, in his mind where he knows he's like, there's answers in the sword. Yeah, exactly. So he goes back to the house of the hidden later and, and like tearing, our next scene, right? Uh, yeah, tears up he's the place, freaking out. freaking out, looking for this place. Norse stumbles in and is like, what the hell is going on here? And he and starts kind of lashing like, out. Where the her. hell is the sword? Where the yeah, fuck yeah. is it? Like, you got to give it to me right now. Yeah, he explains. He's like, that sword took my power from me. My power was the source and core of my being. Like, she's, I of course, defending her actions. She's like, that thing was killing you. Like, yeah. from what I could tell, that thing was literally killing you. So I had to cut it out. I she saved said, your life. Yeah, she was saying, like, it was taking you away from the core of who you were. It was changing you. Mm -hmm. um, I got a little upset at this scene because she basically ends this conversation with saying that the line right when she says she's like um, i destroyed it into several pieces yeah i, I destroyed oh, well, it no, you're saying you're saying was, the, yeah you're saying yeah, this the, is something else but it is in the scene where she says i destroyed it and then threw the pieces into the river so merlin's led to believe that it actually was destroyed and yeah. then yeah that's when the line you're thinking of and that's when she says to uh lenora says to merlin like if you if you truly love me make this the last time you ever see me yeah. and then like he kind of leaps right mm -hmm. so i felt right away i was like why the hell that seemed like a little bit of an overreaction to cast him out because he wanted his magical sword and his magic He's powers back crazy i don't know it's just like yeah but that's too much of she doesn't know him enough to be like yeah like that was destroying your person i mean it probably was but i'm just saying like yeah. that seemed a little rash for her to yeah. make that judgment on him I, and be like get out get the hell out of here you want your powers back are you kidding me i don't know if that was her looking out for him because she picks up the sword after he storms off which was way too soon because what if he turned around and saw you pull out the sword from underneath the author? Mm -hmm. Ridiculous. But that, anyway, that's she where pulls he, it out. And that's, well, yeah. And she hears, like, as she's holding it, she hears whispers. She hears yelling. She hears swords clashing. And we assume she hears death. And meaning this sword will cause all this death. Whatever, bro. I'm just trying to get Merlin's magic. I, I agree. Give him the damn sword. Yeah. He's been alive for way longer than you. He knows what he's doing. And I wanted the magic back even more after our next flashback, which I think we're pretty much... Are we done here after so, Lenore? Well, they yeah. do... Yeah, after this is done, they go back to the real world. The normal timeline. Merlin, yes. It's the end of the trance, and Merlin is passed out drunk because he's holding a bottle, and he's like... He's no saying more, wasted no and like Nimway's like, yeah, he's saying no more. Like, I don't need to see any more of this. And Nimway like just takes goes right beads, over to yeah. her body. Yeah, his body takes the beads and just says, Show me what he doesn't want me to see. And this Woo! is where fucking things get this, fucking oh my God. crazy. This because insane. like this this is like not even close to what I would have guessed that those what those beads were gonna show us. No, like that was just all. like so what we actually get here is just a, we pan over to what you can obviously tell is like Roman. It's like a Roman or Greek city. Yeah, something like based that. on the architecture, it's like Roman yeah. or Greek. Exactly. And we have all these new citizens just getting absolutely butchered in the, in the streets. Just the absolute and massacre. And it's weird because the people attacking them are like these, like, they kind of look a little bit like the afflicted mm. from, the, from Rugen. They're, yeah, there's these weird, like, barbarian-looking, almost zombies, but they have this paint with all these spiral symbols painted on Which them. we've seen that symbol a couple times mm. at this point. Spirals is, are a big point. Yeah. Yeah. So whatever we, spirals it's are, like they a, represent it's like a the elements. Symbol. We know it's they like something to do with Yeah, yeah, the we elements. They represent exactly. the elements, but there's also more like that's in, when we've seen them in groups of four, but So, uh, I don't know if like those were actually zombies being controlled by somebody like if they or were they were just they, if they were like zombies pulled were up they running weird i didn't even know no no they were they were like they were attacking they were like chopping the arm off of a dead woman um they were like these weird beings but that would be cool if they were being controlled 
by Merlin, like Merlin summoned this army of the undead to like take over, that would be sweet. And that's when we it pans over and Merlin is just dressed as one of these Romanian barbarians. And he, I could have sworn, I thought he was just like basically pulsating with magic and like he had like magic in his veins on his face and stuff. And he was just looking like basically evil, bloodthirsty, evil as fuck. And what we see is him basically swinging a sword and killing an innocent what is it like a mom family. and a daughter like a mom, mom and a daughter and a father, father. the yeah, father was family the father was saying They're like, like all on their knees they're literally on mercy. their knees yes yeah, saying show and mercy. dude holy shit man no merlin, Luke, merlin looked exactly like kratos in this from god of war mm-hmm. and he just looked so badass what, what were you gonna uh, say? i was gonna say you were right like he has like it looks like silver veins, veins of, magic. of blood yeah, yeah. like they're shining across his head he's yeah. obviously under something and also the sword that he's holding is, you know, super ancient looking. It's not the sword of power, right? No, it's not the sword of power. But it's it's almost looks like it's like has vines and it looks like it's taking over his arm mm. as well. It looks like Isn't that similar to what Finn has in Adventure Time. The, the, it is the, the grass sword. That's just one of his best swords. So like I don't know. He looks like a complete animal right now. Um yeah. and give me all of this. Give me Dude. an entire series of merlin we want that prequel merlin series because that would be unbelievable i think there'd be i mean there's 500 years worth of information to fit in there it was just like and i I, mean you have all the lore that's already written about. i didn't know how much i wanted that scene but i wanted that it happened and when it happened it hit hard yeah but that immediately wakes nimwet like she snaps out of it immediately because she's just completely disgusted with merlin and just freaking out screaming like she grabs the sword she's holding it to merlin like you fucking killed all those fucking people. Like, like you killed innocent. You literally killed innocent people. Like, all this shit screaming in his face. And Merlin just replies, well, how many people have you killed this past week? Yeah. yeah. Which, a lot. Yeah. Nimue has she, bodies on her hands. To which she says, and how many did you think were justified? And you were justified in doing the right thing. Yeah, like, and you she, thought you were doing the right thing. And she was and saying, so like, I. oh, they, they were killers. Like, they would have killed me. And Merlin was saying, well, you thought you were doing the right thing. I thought I was doing the right thing. I lived many lives and I did a lot of wrong things. I've had a lot of mistakes and stuff. Yeah, and it makes so much sense. Like what he's been through, it's a it's you you can't just be Nimway and judge Merlin's whole life off. And then he gives like a speech that makes him, you know, human. He's just admitting, he's like, Look, I've done things too, like and you are my kin. You have done bad things. Like we are both doomed to the same fate almost. And, like, we both will obsess over the sword. Yeah. And then that's when he admits, like, my plan is to not give it to Uther, but actually destroy the yeah, sword. Yeah. And I want I want to do this in order to protect the Fae. He is, you know, laying all the cards on the table, hoping that this will make her trust him. He's he's being completely honest with her. And honestly, and, if she didn't see the Kratos scene, she might have given it to him. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, Um, And we do see something, like, cool, like Dave was saying – he was saying, you know, I was consumed by revenge and, you know, you're my kin. You're going to do the same thing. She says, oh, like, I wish to the gods I wasn't. And Merlin's like, well, you are. Yeah, and there's nothing you can do about it. There's literally nothing you can do about that. And then we see the, if we're, if we're good on all that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah you, it's just cool to see a little bit of resentment, like natural resentment that would actually be realistic between the two buildings. So she's I don't know how the I hate over. dad phase. Right yeah, now. yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think they're ever. She's ever gonna like be an enemy to Merlin. Nah. But it's just gonna, it's, it's It'll not gonna be easy for her to trust him. Yeah. And it, it's interesting because you know I thought the entire show, the, or the entire season at least, was going to be 
Nimue finding Merlin and giving him the sword like right away. But we get it like halfway through and it doesn't go anything like I thought it was going to go. <laughs> I mean, uh, luckily she doesn't give it over. I mean, not luckily, but you know, yeah. she, it makes sense. It would have been upsetting if an anticlimactic, if she just gave it to him right there. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting because like, I have no idea where this is going to go. Yeah, and then we see the Pendragon Crusaders arrive. Kaze and Morgana, we flash over to them, and they're sitting out there, you know, holding out the scout position, and they see the white soldiers sent by Mama Uther arriving outside the ruins. They book it immediately. They're like, Merlin, Nimue, like, we got to get the fuck out of here. And Yeah, and then Nimue starts freaking out. I hate, like, oh, I hate you, Dad. Yeah. I well, hate you, yeah, Dad. She thinks that. Merlin called those troops and she was like, Oh, like you lied. You said you came alone. Which, you didn't Merlin yeah. Merlin did a good job. He was like, I didn't like, I swear. Which he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. He was, he was all on the right. But mm-hmm. And that, Nimue hits him with the same line. That's like psychological damage here. Yeah. He was like, she said, what did my mother say? Let this be the last time you ever see my face. And then storms off and they ride off company i completely think we missed a line that i really loved i think it was a little bit before i don't remember what when specifically it was but merlin does say like to to nimue like the reason lenore gave you the sword and said give it to me was she was gambling on the fact that i've become a better man oh yeah he's like and i have like give me this you know like yeah and then that's when she's like kind of freaks out yeah i yeah good point bringing that up because that was cool that was a cool line yeah and you know like relative to the some of the things we saw in the past especially the roman greek massacre scene like he's become a little bit better <laughs> yeah i mean if the that's the of elimination yeah if that's the bar that we're setting at killing innocents he's definitely gotten better than that so uther i'm sorry uh merlin comes out to Earth, uther's knights and he says like oh like you've stolen your own you've stolen the sword from your own king like i had it and you interfered he says whatever i don't care that was your fault where'd they go and Merlin says they left. He sends some troops to ride after Nimue and Kaze and Morgana. And then he has some other troops that say, go inside with Merlin. And that's the last thing we see. So yeah. we don't know what happens to him. Now we jump to the... Uh, yeah, that's going to cover all of Nimue for the episode, right? Now we jump to the Arthur Gawain yeah, kind of this whole is segment. Not the meat of the episode, but, you know, it kind of ends with a little bit of and a we'll also throw in, like, we'll point, also so. sc- throw in Iris again a little bit here, too. But we'll start with Gawain, or I guess the, Mogwin. No, no, no. no okay, the first, that, the first, this is the this. actual, what's important to note now is the actual opening uh, scene to this episode where we have the, the weeping monk basically on the screen with the background of father Carden talking over the um as like a narrative you know like a voiceover and the what the weeping monk is doing is he's burning down all of the farmlands of all the fey people so he can essentially starve them out and lower their resources to make them desperate and we hear as luke was saying father Carden in his head and we hear their plan destroy all their you know they're fey they're magical they're not human but they still need to eat so if we can't find them, we can force them out. If we destroy all of their farms and all their resources, then they're forced to come out and, and we will find them then. And that's when we cut to uh, Arthur, right? Is it Arthur, the first one? Yeah, because basically the next main scene we get, because we already had the Arthur and Gwen argument over who was going to escort Nimue, and now we're at the... War Council, right? Yeah, or, right before that. Right yeah, before the War Council. Gwen gets yeah. introduced. Gwen, um, oh, yeah, right. Before the, before what I was talking about. Um, <laughs> so we know that 
Paul's ready to shit talk away. And yeah, yeah, much. I was just jumping the gun. <laughs> um, so we know the red paladins are destroying their food sources. We already know this is hitting Nemos because we see somebody in line for food. He gets a spoonful, and then they say, that's it. That's all the food. We don't have any. Another fae jumps the guy who just got served food and says, give it to me. Like, you don't deserve it. Which Arthur steps in. He has a cool little, you know, first movement where he draws his sword halfway, but he d never intended to cut with it. He just slapped the fae in the gut with the pommel. So it was pretty cool. And he says, basically, like, wait your turn. You know, we have to, you know, stay civilized. And if you don't get it, you don't get it. Like, he gave the food back to the dude with the skunk on his head. Um, and as Arthur's leaving, the dude with the skunk on his head follows and says, like, hey, like, like, who are you? Like, thank you for doing that. Um, I noticed, like, are you a knight? And he says, no, not a knight. Um, I'm just kind of like a cutthroat. And he says, yeah, I saw the way you fought. It wasn't orthodox. It was pretty unorthodox. And I think, for, was it this scene, Dave, where we already got our... No, 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 no. No, not yet, not, not yet. yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mogwan, yeah. He's... But then we get Arthur walking into the council meeting where well, Gawain yeah. and the... Gawain was outside waiting for Arthur. He confronts him and says... Doesn't he have the squirrel scene? Did we already do it? No, we'll get not, to that. We'll get to that. Not yet. Not um, yet. And he says, um, you know, you urged Nimue on to go off on her own. Like, I should have been there with her. And Arthur's like, what the hell are you talking about? all this other stuff. And we see that the tension between them are just growing. And then okay, yeah, one of the I didn't elders. Love Gwen in that scene. Yeah, Gwen. I, I still don't hate him. <laughs> of douche, course not. Douche. So, so one of the elders. Yeah, one of the elders, he's like, yo, Gwen, emergency crisis council, let's go. Right. And then we go there. All the Fey elders are around this map and they're pointing saying they have destroyed this farm, this farm, this farm. All we have is this one mill yeah, yeah. left. One left, yep. And Gwen, idiot, is saying, like, oh, let me go alone. Um, we don't want to attract their attention. Dumb. Arthur steps up and is like, yo, that's what they want you to do. When I was with the, like, cutthroats, my gang would cut off roads all the time because we would want to funnel them into one road. That's what they're doing. You don't want to go alone. You want numbers. And you want steel to defend yourself. So, Queen, you suck. But, yeah, the elders immediately respect Arthur and his knowledge. And they're just, they, they recognize that he definitely knows what he's talking about. So, they're like, all right, we'll yeah. give you, like, go in a group of people and go to the mill and just scout. Let's take these five now. And yeah. then Arthur says, hold on, that's not enough people. Let's take uh, Mogwai. Oh, yeah, which is bullshit. Good. Like, so they make a big point. Where the one elder is like, hey, humans, they eat more than the share and they're stubborn, but, you know, they can fight. We need to listen to him and bring him. I can offer up three men. So it's Gawain, Arthur, and the three guys. And Arthur makes this big point where it's like, oh, it's still not enough. We need six men. And then Gawain is like, oh, like, is this your sidekick with you? Because Mogwan walked up. And Arthur's like, oh, yeah, like, he'll do. No, he does. Like, what is Mogwan going to do? He's never fought a day in his life. Looks unathletic. This had to be when we predicted. Me and Dave like looked at each other and we're like, he's not making out fodder. of this episode. I called him yeah. Fodder immediately. I was like, this guy is dead. He is not living. He's any, not going to live anytime soon. Paul, you thought he was going to be his squire, right? He would turn out to be Arthur's squire and be like a character. Yeah. So later in the episode, we'll get to that. Um, he asked to be his squire, and I was like, yeah, they, like this dude is going to be in it for a while now. He's like a cemented 
like character, so like this reoccurring character. This motherfucker dying from a mile away. Yeah, yeah. I but real quick, that. we'll uh, yeah. Gawain before they leaves, leave. Yeah, Gawain, Gawain leaves the council meeting and is pro or yeah, immediately approached by Squirrel, who is like, "I want in. Do I wield a sword or a spear?" Yeah, and yeah. I just imagine just a little little uh, little squirrel with a fucking spear, and that's just. Mm no way <laughs> that, it was a cool, he's a sword guy it was a cool little lead up to that too squirrel says something to Gwen. Gwen's like do i know you he says you might have known my father gully Gwen was like oh yeah gully was fat but he knew how to like use a knife and squirrel's like you know he's dead my parents are dead and i want revenge like should i use a sword or spear and Gwen's like you can use whatever you want just carry it to the children's room and this kind of pushes him in the direction of Iris. And Iris starts kind of mm-hmm. forming a little children relationship with each other, right? Like, yeah. they're, like, teasing each other in a funny way. Yeah, so Squirrel, he's upset. He walks over to the fire, and he starts whittling his bow. And Iris is there. He looks over and says, is it your bow? Squirrel, that was the wrong thing to say to Squirrel. Squirrel will snap back with a lot of sass. He was like, I'm holding it. I'm whittling it. What do you think, you idiot? She was like, you know, teach me how to shoot. And he, he says, I'd rather drown in sheep's blood. <laughs> Dude, Squirrel's a man. Everything that comes out of his mouth is gold. He she is she snaps back, though, with, uh, you know, well, whatever. I'll just cut your throat in your sleep and steal it from you. Crazy. Yeah, dude. Like, fucking snap back. Squirrel, and, squirrel looks at her and is like, I'm in love. Yeah, yeah. It's I a snap back girl. to like, the I'll snap I'll cut back. off your thumbs and suck the blood from the stumps. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's the last thing he says. And then she smirks a little bit. Where, you know, you know was that was that something? Is that going to lead to something? I don't know. <laughs> so he stands up, is walking away, and says, you know, are you coming or not? So... And then I guess we should just let's flip to the last no, well, Iris no, real you, quick yeah, because, just, because all it is is them tra- uh, sh- squirrels just showing Iris how to shoot the bow basically, mm-hmm. and they're trading tragic backstories. Yeah, um, Iris is Iris's was really Iris's was what uh, was Iris's? Uh, Iris is her mom. No, like, her father strangled, strangled her mother right after Iris was born because Iris wasn't a boy. Yeah, so both of her parents are dead. Um, and Squirrel was saying both of his parents were killed by the Red Paladins, and there was this scene that, you know, actually caused Squirrel to leave. Iris says, you know, if I knew that the people out there who killed my parents were still alive, I would make the rivers run red with their blood, and Squirrel's like, holy shit, you're right. You keep practicing. I got to go. And then you also see Iris nail the bullseye, don't you? Yeah, yeah. He, Which is, I think is going to be important because I think adapting. she's going to be, a, a, she's gonna be useful. She's, cool. in, she's in, a quick learner. That's yeah. a lot. That's a good good trait I, to have for I sure. I don't know why, and I I'm, don't think it's going to happen, but I had a weird feeling. I'm just going to vocalize it now, so it's on tape. I had a weird feeling that like Iris was going to have like a redemption arc. And, yeah. like, become good, I think. I totally had the realization that she's I think she's going to burn down Namos while they're yeah. gone. I could see both. Like, I think she's going to kill everybody. She is literally there. pure evil. Like, she is with a, Squirrel yeah. being gone, who is at, uh, who is at Namos that yeah. is, is not expendable? Yeah. True. Anyone? Everyone's gone, right? Yeah. Gawain, so. Arthur, Morgana, Morgana Nimue, yeah. Kaze, they're all gone. So, yeah. like, this would be a good chance for Iris to go turn yeah. full evil. Green Knight's gone. Yeah. You know, they could do it. I, I could see both that because she says like, you know, the Fey are pure evil. When she was confronting um like Holgrain in the Abbey, 
Morgana, she was saying like, oh, like the, the Fae must have seduced you, corrupted you. It's pure evil. Like, so she is set against the Fae are bad. So I don't see, I don't know why, but I was not, just getting. It's not going to happen. I'm, I'm happy. You I would on be, tape, I would be amazed if it happened. Iris is definitely not doing anything good anytime soon. Um, next we get, uh, we transition to the gang, the six, the gang of six guys yeah, who are heading Mogwan. to the mill, yeah. We had a little Mogwan is building. Just, at first I was just like, Mogwan is just ranting. And then I just like, listen back mm-hmm. into what he's talking about. And then all I hear is just like, I'm going to draw my family coat of arms. This is going to be a bear holding two salmon. And I'm just yeah. like, what the fuck is this? So it was funny though. <laughs> yeah, Maybe crack up. He says the way he like, delivered it in his face. Yeah. He was just so happy about they were it. Like you don't have a family coat of arms. He's like, yeah, I do. I drew it. Yeah, I, I drew it. It was awesome. We also, right around this time, get the a, a cool conversation about where they're kind of trading crazy stories, right? Like, yeah. Well, no, he, he's Mogwan. like, he literally, like, in excitement, Mogwan asks, like, Arthur, Arthur, like, oh, like, what was your, like, toughest or craziest battle, basically? And Arthur gives, like, a little story of, like, him versus, like, four thugs, basically, and he basic, beats them basic all. Basic, story. But then, like, Gawain's just like, if you want a real story, story, I'll fucking tell you a real story. And he just, like, goes into this fucking crazy, dark fucking murder scene and... About, basically, Makes Mogwan literally shit his pants. Like, he is currently shitting himself. The important part of that story is that Gawain has credible reason to hate Father Cardin because Father Cardin burned... Uh, Gawain's quote unquote brother. Is that just meant, meant to mean his soldier brother? Or is uh, it like a, it's not his know. actual brother, right? I don't know. Whatever. Don't he know. keeps saying brother. So his brother got caught by Father Cardin. Father Cardin, for some reason, knew that Gawain was in the woods, but Gawain couldn't run away or leave because he had to stay hidden. And so Father Cardin tried to draw Gawain out by literally burning him on the cross alive. Yeah. So, um, there was a cool little details we got from this scene. There, there was some Gwen said, and I might be looking into it too much, but he, he said, you know, I escaped, I climbed and was hiding in the trees, and then they brought out like my brother with his hands tied behind his back. How he knew there was two of us, I have no idea. So I don't. When he said that line, I don't. Does that mean like there's a mole inside the Red Paladins where like they kind of know what the Fey are doing? Like I don't know if I'm looking into that too much. Um, but then Gwen had another cool line where when he was talking about how Father Cardin was baiting him out to come and, like, save his brother that he was torturing, he goes, yeah, and his, his beautiful low voice was telling me to come out. And I'm like, I was like, that's exactly what Father Cardin has. A beautiful, that beautiful low, voice. low voice, that beautiful low voice. Just another reason that we're going to all hate Father Cardin. Yeah, and Gwen. Gwen's a douche. Um, because at the end of this story – he basically is telling Magwan humans, um, I'm sorry, a river snake has more soul than a human. Kill as many humans as you can whenever you get the this chance. Is humans or man blood specifically? Man, uh, probably just man probably man blood because they go out of their way to use that as like a, like a negative term. Uh, they, do, they do say human soul. Okay. Um, but I, anyway, he's looking Arthur dead in the eye saying, kill as many man bloods yeah. as you can. Then he makes Arthur be the water boy and he's just like, go fetch water. And, and he then, well, this is, yeah, this is the next scene we get, yeah. um, a little bit later after this they, is the wrote, last scene. Yeah. They get to the mill and, um, you know, there's conflict between Arthur and Gawain on what to do. Gawain is saying, all right, we're here at the mill. Everybody dismount so we can sneak up. To which Arthur's saying, like, no, I think we need to be alert, stay on our horses with our bows and, like, swords drawn so we're ready to fight. 
And of course, everybody listens to Gwen, the idiot, um, because Arthur's a man blood. So yeah, so what ends up happening is the four of Gwen and the other three that are not Magwin and Arthur start walking towards the mill. Yeah, yeah. We're right before that, real quick. They just give Magwin a little choice. They send Arthur to go fetch the water, and Gwen says to Magwin, "You know, you can choose. Either go with him or come with us." And after, like, you know, stuttering for a little bit, Magwan goes, you know, I'll go with Arthur. Yeah. So, yeah, Gwen and the other three, they walk off. And Magwan has a little conversation with Arthur saying, you know, I want to be your squire. Teach me. And I was like, dude, like, yeah, he's going to be a squire. Like, he's going to be in it forever. Nope. nope fucking nope, weeping nope. monk out of, like, a fucking mile away just fucking darts a shot right There's into Mogwin right? next. Yeah, yeah we Mogwin's see an arrow in the neck and him drop immediately. And I was like, what is He's going like on? He's like gasping for air, too. It was knew pretty it. brutal, knew too. It, and it just it, pans over. It. You see the weeping monk, and then he fires his next shot right at Arthur, and boom, yeah. cut. The camera That's angle it. we get is the arrow getting closer and closer to Arthur. He's dodging it. And halfway, it just cuts blank, end of the episode's roll credits. Yeah. So, so overall, wow. honestly, now after talking about, it, I'm gonna, I will say that was probably the best episode. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think this, I still think every episode, yeah, every up. every episode's been better than the last for sure. Yeah, and like, like I will say though, like, I, like I compare this a lot to The Witcher, and I honestly wasn't turned on to The Witcher at least until like episode six. So like this is right around the same point in time where yeah. The Witcher started heating up too. So <sighs> I was addicted to The Witcher. From the I don't know the first few. Well, this is definitely wrong time to have this conversation but, <laughs> yeah yeah that'll be but overall yes episode. episode six was definitely the best episode so far we got just like anything i just want merlin like that was just mostly merlin backstory and i could just absorb all of that any day of the week yeah i'm definitely excited to watch the next group of episodes mm, I, i'm glad like i was saying in the beginning we ended on a great cliffhanger the first uh binge down tv episode we ended on merlin you know sinking into the ground this is also another great cliffhanger where like obviously merlin's not gonna die because i'm I'm sorry not merlin arthur because of you know plot armor but still we have no idea what's gonna happen Mm -hmm. um i personally i think squirrel is gonna come in you know running save the day dive and protect arthur from the shot i think squirrel is gonna catch up recognizes squirrel as his adversary and then the show just becomes about squirrel yeah squirrel dies immediately so right. anyway, <laughs> to this next we segment. We want to do our last uh, segment of the episode. We're going to do Bang, Kill, Marry. Let's do it. Yeah, uh, this is in honor of Kathleen because Kathleen isn't here today. Um, and this is her thing. We're <laughs> going to take uh, three randos. Um, so our options here today, boys, we're going to have Kaze the Fae, Yeva the Bird Elder, or Aaron's mother, who's the fat boy's mother. <laughs> you know, the one that hates the Fae. So, who wants to start us off here? Three hotties. I'll just, like, right off the bat, just kill Aaron's mom. Yeah. Nobody's, yep. nobody's putting up with There's that. no way. Now we have a conversation, now that Aaron's mom is out of the way. I believe I'm going to marry Kaze and then bang Yeva because I feel like Kaze is just, like, a badass warrior that's going to pass on some good athletic genes. That's why <laughs> I think she would be, be a mother. great – no, I think Yeva would be – that's on the opposite. Yeva's a bird. Yeah. Birds are very m- maternal – you know, <laughs> yeah, you're gonna be. She would your be kids great. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. fine, whatever. But I think Yeva's athleticism and oh her badassness God. would make her a great enjoy, one. Enjoy, enjoy kissing her, dude. All right, kill uh, Aaron's mother, bang Kaze, and marry Yeva 
because yeah. it is, it, it's going to be a marriage by the title only. Yeah. Doesn't mean I have to kiss her. Um, and you gotta consummate the marriage, though. Oh, that's true. I can get through it once. <laughs> but, like, having those resources, that would be sick. I would Marguerite. Yeah, page, yeah. Marguerite though. would be sick to have. Yeah, just little falcons anywhere. Um, so, anyway, you know, that's going to be it for us, guys. If you like what you heard, and if you're a fan of the 100 or Spartacus, we have episodes out for them as well. But if you like what you heard, give Bingetown TV a follow on Twitter and Instagram. And be sure to subscribe to our show on Spotify and Apple. Once again, we are Bingetown TV. And thank you so much for listening. Whoop, whoop.